This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig. Alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? It's uh, it's great, Rich. Everything's <laughs> dandy, dandy. Yeah, it's great to finally talk to you today. Is it? I don't know. I never know what to say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We just talked for actually, fifteen minutes. We did. Know. We did. We did. Yeah. I don't know. That seemed that seemed kind of genuine for the first time. Like like that. This was a part of your day that you were look, actually looking forward to, as opposed to. Oh Well, man, you look forward to this show, right? That burst your bubble. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like Joe had a bad day, but we're gonna we're gonna walk him through it. But no, it's you're, you're just being sarcastic. So okay. Hurt your feelings a little, a little bit. A little bit. But you you in general enjoy doing this show, correct? I love doing you. Yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> I always say about the about the flagship is, I hate I hate the show the entire day, and then we hit record, and then I enjoy it, and we go live, and I enjoy it. But the whole day, it's just like in the back of my mind. Everything I do, I'm like, ah, I gotta do a fucking, fucking flagship later today. Like, I don't mind doing it, you know. What I mean? But do you know what I mean? Where like it's just like this thing that's in your day, and you all like everything has to revolve around that. And I'm thinking, oh man, what am I gonna eat? Like, how am I gonna eat? Like, when am I gonna eat? Okay, I gotta do this. I gotta do everything. I, I have to plan around this so much that it it, it kind of consumes my Thursdays. But uh, then when we hit record, I I enjoy it. So way to put it over. <laughs> well, it's a great show, though. I mean, I enjoy doing it once we do it. Whereas you, you're strategically planning the entire day of how to attack, uh, like a, like a, a predator, how to attack the takes. On a daily basis here on the Voice Wrestling flagship, so I'm thinking about the takes all week long. I mean, I'm I'm watching shows, thinking about what can I say about this that's going to annoy people, <laughs> or or what can I say about this that's that's a real you know a hot take that nobody else has. But I have the same look. There's some Thursdays where I'm like, ah, this fucking thing. You know, I it's just kind of like a pit in your stomach. You know what I mean? It, like I, I, I yeah. it's just it's just kind of like, oh, that's fuck. Like it's just, it's just coming. You know, what I mean? like you just know it's it's going to be there at some point during the day. But that I appreciate that too. Is that like we have gotten on a little bit of a schedule, and and that's you know people forget we talked about like old flagships back in the day. Like we we literally would I think text each other and be like, hey, you want to do a flagship today? And you're like, yeah, sure. Like with no rhyme or reason when we did them. Yeah. Sometimes on a Monday, sometimes on a Friday, sometimes on a Tuesday, like literally like I would just say, hey, you're free tonight. And you're like, ah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, whatever. Okay, let's do it. And that that almost is worse because that was just, well, I, I don't know. I don't know that we can't do that anymore, obviously with the, the, the live shows. But uh, yeah, we used to be all over the place back in the, back in the, the classic days. Yes, sometimes it'd be like, oh, we haven't done one in like 13 days. You want to do one today? <laughs> right, right, right. We, yeah, we probably should. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Very uh, lack of planning, lack of preparation. Just turn on the fucking mics and go. But when you're incredibly talented, 
we could do that. Uh, yeah, totally people think are. a lot of people think that we we just kind of turn on the mics and go. And and I want to say we do we do plan a little bit. We obviously have topic ideas, but the topic. I mean, it's literally like. I will say, hey, what about these seven topics? Or you will wake up and say, hey, what about these seven topics? And that's basically the essentially like we kind of have this hidden thing where we both know what each other is watching or occasionally like I'll check in and say, hey, I, you know, I, I got some free time. I'm going to watch this, this and this. What are you going to watch this weekend? You'll say, OK, I'm going to watch this, this and this. But that, that's about the extent like we don't there's no notes that say, OK, Joe is going to defend El Desperado and Rich is going to say El Desperado sucks. Like we don't have those notes. We just have like here's the matches, and then we just talk about them. You, you know what I mean? Look, where I've seen other podcasts and other notes that other podcasts have, and it's, like, extensive about, like, all right, so I will talk about this, and then this person will talk about this, and I'm like, man, that sounds that sounds even more exhausting than just recording this audio. Well, that's why those shows stink and those people are nerds. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, you just turn the mics and go. Just if you have sh- good talk, personality yeah, yeah. and know what you're talking about, it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, usually on – Wednesday night in the wee hours or early Thursday, you know, I'll send you a list of topics and, or vice versa. You'll send me a list of topics. And they normally, the other person is just like, yeah, that looks fine. Mm -hmm. Every now and then there's a curveball. Every now and then someone will present something and the other guy will be like, Oh yeah. Joe's like, I watched uh, big Japan this week. I'm like, ah, fuck. All right. (laughs) Let's, let's, yeah. And then it either gets Japan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Rich is either that. Then Rich is like, "Well, there goes my lunch break," or it gets xed off of the sheet, or it's like, "Ah, I don't really." Know. But so every now and then there's a curveball. But when you're doing this for like nine years, you kind of have a feel for what we're going to talk about without e- before it's even communicated. And then when the other person sends the the the, the proposed run sheet, it's it's the other person's normally like, "Yeah, that's about right." The other thing that happens sometimes is. Whoever sends the list of topics will forget something, something important. And then the other guy will be like, well, what about this? And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I feel like an idiot. How did I forget WrestleMania? <laughs> right, WrestleMania is this you weekend. Know? Oh, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. But generally, it's that's the extent of it. You know, it's that Wednesday night, Thursday morning exchange of topics. And then it, the run sheet gets typed up. And that's it. I mean, we don't plan. And then when we get on the call. That's Which unfortunately that's when we do most of our planning. Like a lot of people think that we yeah. come late every single week because you're stumbling through whatever, and I'm sitting here tapping my toes. And we play kind of play that gimmick. Like I'll be in the chat room being like, "Oh, waiting for Joe, waiting for Joe." But a lot of times, like you and I are talking that entire time, and you're like, "All right, what the hell are we going to talk about?" <laughs> like so, unfortunately, we probably should do that earlier in the week, but instead we decide that at six thirty or seven or whenever we go live, that that fifteen minutes is when we're going to decide what we're going to talk about, what order, what takes, what we watched, all that sort of stuff. So we probably should do that earlier in the week, but that's okay. I, 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 I like how we do it too. Yeah. That's when we decide what order the topics are going to go in and strategically plan that. Cause there is a strategy that goes into that. You know, you kind of want to stack it where the hottest topic or the most interesting topic of the week is, is in the front because the way that we do the show, we never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, we can't just do a nice, tidy 12-minute segment on something. So what we've learned to do is front-load the show with the most important topics so none of those get shortchanged. So, okay, if AEW is the topic this is the big topic this week, we can just go and not stare at the clock. And if it goes an hour, an hour 15, that's fine because that was the big topic that week. Whereas 
maybe something like in recent weeks, Bloodsport, for instance, we we make sure that that's going to be at the end because that doesn't really require a lot of time. Or if it gets shortchanged, it's no big deal because we don't think our listeners have a ton of interest in it to begin with or as much as the other topics. And if it gets bumped entirely, so be it. So there is a strategy in constructing the order of the topics and then making them flow. We also don't like to jump back and forth. Like if we start with New Japan, we might transition to All Japan or NOAA instead of going to like an impact pay-per-view preview. Right, and then, and then going back to back NOAA. To and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, that, that, despite having a whole segment about bouncing around an area, we don't like bouncing around the world. We like bouncing around a certain geographic region as opposed to just the world. So, Yeah, that way um, – because a lot of people – look, I, I assume – look, I think a lot of our listeners do the whole three hours. And consume the whole thing. I do. But I definitely think there's a segment of listeners who aren't interested in a lot of the promotions and a lot of the topics. So if you kind of group them together with other similar topics, it's also better for the listener. You know, a listener who's Puro-centric might listen to New Japan, All Japan, Noah Talk all in a row. And then when we start previewing an Impact pay-per-view, they might just check out. And that's fine. You know, so it makes it easier on those listeners as well. By you know, so there is a strategy, and that's usually what we're doing when you guys are tapping on your fucking watches, saying, "How come you're not starting on time?" <laughs> we're figuring out the order and what we're going to do, and maybe if we're going to cut something, or maybe if something, you know, just just working it. But that's the extent of the preparation. But when you're doing it for nine years, and you're good, and and you're great, Correct. and I, and we have a decent feel for each other. I know what what. Uh, angles Rich is going to approach things from. I know what he's going to want to talk about. I know what he's going to be passionate about. So you just understand. I I have an understanding all week long of what, okay, this is something we're going to have to do on the show. Or this is something I'm watching that Rich is probably not going to watch. He's going to be mad if I make him watch it. So I'm not even going to, you know what I mean? It's not like there's wrestling I watch for pleasure, believe it or not, Rich. It's crazy. There's not a lot of time for it. 205 Live, right? That's a pure pleasure watch well i mean you're make you're, you're joking. I'm making a joke i'm no I'm, I'm dead serious people think that you're that's a gimmick but i think you enjoy watching 205 live i think what the, the 205 live to you i, I and, and correct me if i'm wrong to i think it signifies that i am all caught up with everything that i need to watch everything that i need to have a take on so you crack the knuckles you sit down you turn on the old 205 and the purple brand and you just kind of let it happen in front of you yeah i mean when i binge watch 205 or nxt uk or main event, and I binge watch all of those things. I eventually watch all of it. Like I may not watch every match because the network has that very handy menu on the bottom now, oh, where, where all did. the segments are Will. broken out <laughs> for yeah, another hopefully. what two weeks. <laughs> but yeah, if I go on one of my crash watches of a WWE C show, I know that we're never going to talk about that, so I don't even pitch it or propose it. Um, you know, unless I come across something like Walter and Ilya where it's like, okay, you have to watch this. This needs to be watched. And that will happen sometimes too, both directions. Rich will watch something and be like, you know, oh, you got to watch this zero-one match. Well, I don't think it's ever been a zero-one match. But he'll be like, oh, you got to watch this whatever. If they made uh, more know, tape, if they made tape more often, it probably would be more zero-one. But then we, we did the, the cursory one year, once a year, zero-one makes tape. We talk about it. Uh, show so we'll see or well we get we usually get one in the middle of the year too the fire festival comes up a little bit later right well that's the other thing too like when it comes to places like zero one or um you know even some indies or whatever the case okay a week like this 
nothing's getting on the show besides New Japan and AEW. Because there's just too much to talk yeah, about. Yeah, there's a huge Dragon Gate show this weekend that we could probably preview, but there's no way we're going to do it. So we're going we're gonna to review it next week, I'm sure. But there's just no chance we could talk about it this week. There's just so much going on. But when there's a light week and there's not a ton going on, that's when you dig deeper. And you're like, oh, this Big Japan thing may tape. And then, you know, if there's room for it, we'll talk about it. Or, you know, whatever indie just right. Like, I know it's hasn't been over a year because the pandemic and everything, but that's kind of how some of the other promotions sneak in because on a light week, you have to have something. I mean, I, I, we can't come on here and do 45 minutes. Rich would love that, but we can't come on here and do 45 nah, minutes. Dude, yeah, I don't yeah. think I could do 45 minutes of anything to be honest. Like that, that, yeah. uh, that's how do people do that. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I know. I listen to some shows and like, there, there are there are some shows that do that, and and like I don't know if you have this sort of weird, and I guess it's, it, it 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 might just be you, you and I and the way we record a show, but like I have this weird thing where I'll listen to a show and they're talking about something, and then like I'm like, oh, this is getting pretty good, and then they just switch topics. I'm like, no, you were just digging into it, you were just going, like, come on, you just had a good point there, and like the other person, it'll be like two hosts, and the other person just doesn't say anything. I'm like, no, come on, react, like let's go, bounce it between. But that's why we do three hours and they do forty five, so. That's why those shows stink, and, and those they people stink. are nerds. Fucking garbage. Yeah. I mean, they, they, that's why those shows stink. Um, look, our format's not for everyone. I mean, there's people that don't want to listen to three hours of super nerdy, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, newsletter centric style wrestling talk. I get that, but I know what you're talking about. Sometimes it's like, well, why aren't they going deeper on this? There's so much more that could be said, you know. And I, I think you know our audience appreciates that we do do that because there's a lot of shows that don't. Now, I don't understand, like, why Brian Alvarez is always tapping his watch. Like, we're running out of time. No, you're not. You have all the time you want. <laughs> it's your job. Like, what time? <laughs> like, it's your own thing. Like, you're not – you yourself produce this. Like, you know, Meltzer's going on this tremendous history lesson on something, and it's like, let him go, you know? But, um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, that's kind of the behind the curtain of, uh, of of how it all comes together. I mean – you know the, the 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 sort of fringe topics. It's just they got to get in on a on a on the weeks that aren't so stacked. I mean that that's how that happens. And then there's times too where we really just take a liking to a certain fringe topic and we hammer it for a couple weeks in a row or a couple months, um, which may not necessarily be one of the bigger topics of the week. But again. We want to talk about things we're passionate about because that comes through on the audio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's that's something that you know I, I, I deal with a lot. Was, was that your one, or are you going to do two here? You think? That's I it? don't know. That's my. <coughs> oh, that's my. <laughs> hold on. I'm going to tell you why I'm coughing on the air because I'm terrified to hit the mute button because of how sketchy the mic is lately oh, with the yeah, awful yeah. sound that. Mm-hmm. So I I'm just I'm like you know what I rather just cough than than risk hitting the mute button and then that awful noise comes through for the next 40 seconds. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know what you were starting to say. I about. don't even remember what I was about to say. Yeah. I was going to, it's going to be a very impassioned uh, discussion, but now I forget. It sounded like it. <laughs> Man, it was good. It was good. What the hell was I talk oh, about? Topics where we get fascinated with something that might not be the biggest story but we put it on the show. Right. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Like a, a lot of people remember in the, in the early COVID days, like two AW, we got really, really into, and that, yeah. that's happened in our, our history as well. Like there'll be a promotion or a wrestler or a thing or a tie or whatever you're saying that we like really hammer home for a bunch of weeks. And then there'll be a week like this where just so much co- stuff comes in and, and, and a big news comes in that we lose it. And then we kind of get off track and it's hard to kind of get back there. But, Oh, I, I now I remember what we were going to say is, 
I, I do hear from a lot of people, especially like in our Discord or whatever, that are like, oh, you guys have to talk about this, or you need to talk about this, and you need to talk about that. And I think some people have the wrong... We, we try to cover as many of the big topics and the big news stories and all that sort of stuff that we can, within reason. We, we try to do it every single week. We try to cover everything that's major in wrestling, everything that we find, you know, that I think the listeners would find interesting, things that are major news topics, major stories, you know, major promotions, all that sort of stuff. And then we try to sprinkle in some stuff that's kind of fun or whatever. But I, I think a lot of people sort of think okay well this thing happened so you guys have to talk about it and it's like well you know at at the end of the day we're gonna talk about stuff we're passionate about because this show would suck if you and i had to sit down and talk about stuff we weren't passionate about we always talk about that we'd make we'd have a lot more listeners a lot more listeners if we reviewed raw and smackdown we're not gonna do that i don't want to do that because it would come across like i'm being forced to review raw and smackdown and and i think that within we try to get stuff that you know we find is newsworthy, but also we're passionate about because that's what our show is. It's all about passion. It's all about, you know, whether we hate it or we like it or whatever, but like being neutral on a topic is like you always say, the worst thing ever is when you just say, yeah, I don't know. That show was fine. You know, it was there. That match was there. That that's the worst. Like you, you don't want that. You want to avoid that. And, and, and yeah, so a lot of times there might be big stories or big topics or whatever that, that people are like, Oh, you should cover that. Or why don't you cover that? Or you should cover that. And it's like, I don't have really have a take on it. I don't really have any passionate thought about it. So, I don't really want to feel obligated like I have to cover anything. Like we we we've never I've never felt like we are obligated to have one sort of direction and 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 for people that listen to the show, we've gone in a lot of different weird, you know, there was times where we Dragon Gate was like 2 hours of the show. There was times where New Japan was all 3 hours of the show. There was times where WWE was all 3 hours of the show. Then there were times where AEW was all, you know, or or you know, there's weeks where it's 17 different promotions. We're bouncing around and doing all that sort of stuff. It's it's what we're passionate about that week, not necessarily what's always the most important within reason. Obviously, if it's an important big story, we're going to talk about it. But yeah, I, I don't I don't feel any obligation to cover any certain topics just because it's a topic that was a news bit this week. Like, I don't know. That's that's kind of boring to me. I don't really want to do that show. I have a great example this week. Bobby Lashley just won the WWE title on Raw this week. We are not going to talk about that no. at all. No. And that's a big story and everything, but I have nothing to say about that because I don't care. It doesn't mean anything. WWE booking is boring to talk about from the perspective that we talk about it. And it just isn't, it wasn't even on my radar for one of the things that we needed to get to. And that's a WWE world title change. But I don't think our listeners want to hear us talk about that. I'll so, be honest, like I forgot that happened this week. I don't, I mean, yeah, it's just not on your radar. <laughs> by Thursday, it, it, it seems so long ago, yeah, that that happened. Yeah, first time WWE champion for Bobby Lashley, too, so. They have devalued that for so long, their titles for so long that I just don't care. Because what, what, how am I supposed to analyze it? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. I talked about it a little bit on Thursday TV reviews in relation to the raw rating this week. I did touch on it a little. I talked about Bad Bunny, and I talked about the show long Ms. Bobby Lashley thing, and and I gave my my take on the raw rating and why they were up with the younger viewer. If you want to hear that $5 tier, patreon.com. I won't, I won't do it here slash voice of wrestling, which, um, but yeah, that's a great example of something. That's a big story. And other podcasts are probably doing an hour on that, you know, cause that's what they do. And that's what they talk about. I, I never even thought about 
putting that on. No, the didn't sheet. even didn't even cross my mind that that needed to be on the run sheet, which which says a lot, I think. <laughs> Believe it or not, it does say a lot yeah. because there is definitely not a time that a world championship change would not have let off our show. You know, a WWE world title change would have easily let off the show in in in, in many many other eras. But that's what I say. Like the the show has never been one strict thing. Like I think people always have to say, and 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 we've seen it. We've talked about it a bunch with like the the ebb and flow of like, oh, these guys are on the New Japan payroll, and it's like, oh, these guys hate New Japan. Now they're on the AEW payroll. You know what I mean? Like I was we're on a lot of different payrolls these you know over the course of the last nine years. So well, I was I was waiting for New Japan. I was waiting for New Japan to like take a turn and for us to turn on it because I I I've always wanted to prove that point. The problem was well, <laughs> give give it an hour, man. We'll see. But. The, the problem was New Japan had been good for the entire life cycle of the show and it and it never stopped being good until, you know, like last summer. So, we had like 6 or 7 straight years of just overtly praising this promotion. So people who don't like us and don't really like and didn't really like New Japan thought that we were in the bag for New Japan. And and what's funny is when we started criticizing New Japan, there is now a whole segment of New Japan hardcore fans who hate us because we criticize New Japan. And now people think we're in the bag for AEW because for the most part, we praise and enjoy AEW. And so it goes. It's why I always said when we used to get shit about the New Japan stuff, if this podcast had existed in the early 90s, we'd be hearing that we were all Japan shills. If it was 1995, they'd be telling us we're ECW marks. At least me. I know me for sure. I'm still an ECW mark. They, they, you know, if it were 2006, they'd be calling us, uh, you know, Ring of Honor. Yeah, barricade slappers, which they, we would definitely be barricade slappers because I was a barricade slapper. So, yes. Absolutely. Sure. So, it's like, here's the thing. We like what's good. It isn't very complicated. <laughs> I think we're like, biased, Joe. What do you think? I think that we're actually biased. To I am one things that we like. Thousand, <laughs> right? Yes, I am 100% biased to things that are good. Yes, I like I things like. that I like more than things that I hate, believe it or not. I, 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 Shockingly, I'm, that's I'm sorry. I, I, I know it's not objective, but yeah, things I like, I like more than things I hate. So um, whether that yeah, changes your I opinion mean, on the show, I'm sorry. I, I, that's just the way it's going to be, unfortunately. We, we, have, we have planted our flag in that things we like, we're going to talk about more because we like them, and the things we don't like, we don't like as much, so. We might not talk about them as much, so I don't know. I, I, I it's it's bold. It's it's an interesting strategy to, to to go about it, but that's the way we're gonna do it. So, and I was never ever in my my fandom like a New Japan loyalist. Like I'm not Mike Sempervivi. Mike Sempervivi is a dyed in the wool New Japan guy. I was a Noah guy. <laughs> I was a Green Ring guy. I wasn't a no. I have no emotional long term connection to New Japan like I do to maybe ECW or something like that. New Japan just got hot and it was good. So I praised it a lot for the last eight years. You know, if New Japan, I still enjoy it to some extent, but if it turned on a dime and was terrible for the next five years, I'd fucking stop watching it. I have no special devotion or connection to New Japan. You know, if it started to stink, I'd hand wave it. You know, whereas, you know, there's other promotions where you just have that, that, emotional long-term connection and and you're always going to follow it no matter how bad it gets um so that was the other funny thing about all that new japan stuff but um i knew over time it would be shown that what you know it's it's not like we're out here just stumping for things we just like things when they're good (laughs) right (laughs) i mean you know so and and i'm not afraid of people telling us oh you're just you just uh fucking you know claiming that we're being paid or 
that's fine. You know, those are idiots. They could say whatever they want. Um, it's not going to stop me from praising what I think is great. And it's not going to make me in my mind think, oh, I have to hedge these takes. No. I am going full bore and telling people exactly what I think about it. Now, here's the thing. If a promotion is over with me, I'm definitely – it's definitely going to have more leeway just naturally because everything's over. If something's over with you, it's going to be easier for them to please you. Sure, of course. Yeah, where we're if, you, if you don't like a promotion, little dumb things that happen. Like like New Japan I'm pretty down way. on, and, and there's going to be stuff in these two Castle Attack shows and this 48th anniversary show that like – wouldn't matter like it four years ago i wouldn't have cared but i'm like i'm on edge about them you know what i mean they're on pins and needles so when yeah. something happens i'm like ah fuckers you know what i mean like it's just little stuff like that but that's completely 100 percent natural when, when you're not you know all in on something it, the little stuff bothers you more than more than yeah more than it normally yeah for sure and both yeah and the reverse holds true as well like if a promotion's super over with you it's like when people have a favorite wrestler um you know, they're they're always going to think that that person's matches are better than someone who doesn't have any opinion on that wrestler. It just and that's fine. That's what being a fan is. That's what uh, you know. The, those things. There's not even anything wrong with that. Yeah, you we know? kind of have to get so, back to that, I think, because and and I don't know if that's just like a website thing or you know we we deal with it because we run this website or or you know we we see it from you know Dave Meltzer gets it all the time and all these other wrestling websites get it all the time, but like we need to get past this and, and the Wrestling Observer newsletter as as you wrote on on, on Patreon as well ten dollar ten dollar tier for that patreon.com uh, slash Voice of Wrestling the the embarrassing reaction to the the Wrestling Observer awards is like we we have to get away from like. People are allowed to like stuff and think that stuff that they like is better than things they don't like. Like that, you, we have to be okay with that. Yeah. You have to be okay yeah. with the podcast you listen to. If you if you want, I'm sure there's a podcast out there that runs down the news and wrestling line by line. No, you know, no anything, no real opinion. Nothing. I'm sure that it's probably out there. I don't know. It's going to be a terrible show. Probably a horrendous, horrendous show. But if you really need that, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's somewhere they can do that. If you want Sports Center for for wrestling, where they just kind of break stuff down. Oh yeah, fuck. Even I don't even know if Sports Center does it anymore. But like, if you want 1983's version of Sports Center, just kind of breaking down the sports and, and breaking down the news and doing all that sort of stuff, that's fine. But like, you need to get past it. Like nobody. That that's just not how things are done. Like the, nobody is going to be there and be 100. You know, objective about everything. They're going to like what they like and they're going to talk about what they like more than what they hate i mean that's just i, I it, it's we, we got to be okay with people being fans of stuff but we've decided now that that's now biased or you're in the bag or you, you know you're not objective like fuck you i don't need to be objective like i've never said that i need to be objective i'm not fucking no, i'm, I'm not cronkite out I, here like yeah. you know what i mean like i am under no obligation to be fair or object uh, in that way um but i am under an obligation to be honest with my opinions that's the way i look at it my obligation to the listener is to give my real, honest opinion yes. on on everything, whether that opinion is going to be popular or unpopular. I'm under no obligation to be fair or, or equal time or none of that bullshit. I, I and, and I never even think about that. Um, I don't want to talk about Bobby Lashley this week because it's a fucking boring topic. And it, it didn't crack into my three hours. Tough shit. I'm under no obligation to be fair to WWE that have sucked so bad for so long that they've essentially driven me off. No obligation. But if I do talk about WWE, it is my obligation to give my honest opinion of what I'm watching. And most of the time that means I'm burying the shit out of them. That's tough. Too bad. Um, I can think, look, I'm not going to name names, but you're talking about shows that are just dry news reads. I can think of one and I listen to it now and then I'm not going to name it because I, I don't, I don't want people. I don't want to start shit. I like the hosts. But I think they do a, a kind of a boring show. But I listen to it now and then. 
Um, and I can think of another show, which again, I'm not going to name it, where it's just everything. They just love everything. Super positive. Oh, this is great. Oh, in this segment, they, they never criticize anything. And that's their style. And there is a market for that. There are people that want to just listen to positivity or not listen to critique that gets you know super deep or, or super critical. There's a market for all of these things. I'm not interested in filling those niches. That's not what I'm ever going to do. I'm just going to come on here and give honest opinions. And the thing is I think we do a good job of brushing aside the topics and the things that we don't like because we don't – even though it's more entertaining a lot of the time, we don't like being super negative all the time. It's a drain on me to be super negative all the time. You know, it 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 wears me out. Mm-hmm. If and I there's just so much here. else. There's so much else out there that we could do that. Like I, I tend to not want to waste my time with stuff that I'm going to be negative about. Like that's why we've we've essentially you mentioned a little bit before when this show first started. We were we t- we covered Ring of Honor every single week. The the weekly TV, the pay per views, all that sort of stuff. And then I felt like I was just burying Ring of Honor every single week and saying, ah, this isn't the Ring of Honor I grew up with. This Ring of Honor sucks. And eventually we just stopped talking about Ring of Honor. It pops up every so often. But like, I just felt bad that I'm like, why am I watching this and why am I burying this every week? Like, it's not even, it, it wasn't fun and it wasn't really fair. And it was just kind of like, whatever, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So we don't, we very, very, very rarely now talk about Ring of Honor, even though that was like an essential part of our show when we started. Chikara. Um, Lucha Underground, main roster WWE. We 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 will bitch about something for like six weeks and then it's gone. Because then we're like, we don't want to do this anymore. And it's never even really like a conscious thing. It's just like, I don't know about you. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. So yeah, I don't... it just kind of fades away. Yeah, without us really even saying, hey, let's not cover Ring of Honor anymore. It just kind of fades. Yeah. I don't even pitch it. Like at some point we were just like, just not stop. We just stopped talking about Chikara, and actually, that one might have been an on-air blow-up. Like, <laughs> that that one, I think. That, never again. I think we might know. have. Yeah, I think there may be an inflection point there where you were like, "Fuck this company! I'm never talking about this shit again." And then we never talked yeah. about it again. So, yeah. But WWE has been a gradual, slow progression to where now we just do the pay-per-views. I mean, for the most part, unless big news breaks, business news. Right. We'll do the business news because I do think that's interesting, but. Um, do we have ads this week? We do not have any ads this week. So we, this is a, a good opportunity to uh, to bring up. We brought it up twice already, but patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. $10 listeners, if you're on the $10 tier, you have the ability to listen to this show live. There are some in their chat room right now. If you are listening to this on the free tier and you want to listen live, react live, be in the chat room, which is a very fun chat room always during these three-hour shows, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, $10 tier for that. That is not all, though, because this is a big week to be a $10 subscriber, a great week to be a $10 subscriber. Because you got Joe's breakdown of the Wrestling uh, Observer Newsletter Awards, including a burial of, of weird, creepy WWE fans that were just very ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous this week uh, in reaction to those. So that was a very good uh, written article as well. This weekend, AEW Revolution, instant reaction immediately following Sunday's pay-per-view. You and I are going live, and those are always a blast as well. The chat room's always buzzing. There's a bunch of people in there, and uh, Revolution should be a very eventful show uh, for a lot of different reasons. We're going to go live immediately afterwards, and the way you can hear that, $10 tier. And, and we should mention as well, because people kind of get you know for, forget this. We're going co- to cover Revolution. We're going to give our ratings. We're going to give our reviews. We're going to break down every match extensively. That's it. We're not coming on the flagship next week and covering AEW Revolution again, because we've already done it. We've probably already done an hour and a half on it on Sunday. So that is your chance to hear us extensively break down Revolution. We might talk about some big picture stuff next week on the flagship, but that is going to be 
it in terms of ratings, big reviews, match-by-match breakdowns. This Sunday, Instant Reaction Live is the way uh, to do that. $5 tier is going to get you some other stuff this week uh, as well. Always gets you November to remember when, when those come out. Always gives you the Thursday tier reviews. We also have our uh, VOW Retro Series that I do. Uh, finishing up with the arrival, looking at uh, past NXT takeovers. Moving on to the WrestleMania Randomizer, which a lot of people are super, super into, uh, which is really exciting. So essentially, I put every single WrestleMania match from 1985 to 2015 into a randomizer. Uh, and we're going to start that pretty soon here. And I'm going to review... Um, they spit out a bunch of them. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to spit out 30 matches or 40 matches. I don't know how many I'm going to do. We're going to see. I guess it depends how long the matches are. And we're going to talk about whatever match gets spit out. So it might be the main event of WrestleMania. It might be Andre versus Hogan. And I'll talk about Andre versus Hogan. It might be Brutus Beefcake versus uh, what Adrian Adonis, right? Isn't that from WrestleMania 3? No, it was Who's- Adrian Adonis versus Roddy Piper. And then Beefcake. That's right. Right. That's right. Piper, Piper put him in the sleeper. Yeah, that's right. So I, or, I might be talking about that. You know, I might talk about that match. And that, you know, that match is only, what, four or five minutes long or whatever? You may as well just give that one away because you basically tipped off that you're talking about that. Actually, I don't think I am. I don't think that one actually came up. That's on the list? I don't think so. I don't think so. But, uh... I I, guess the the beefcake turn and then the new Dream Team forms with Bravo and, uh... And Valentine. I don't think that one is actually on there. I was just trying to think of another. I was trying to think of the most innocuous WrestleMania three match that I could possibly uh, uh, figure out. But that's that's the glory of the uh, the WrestleMania randomizer. Sometimes we're gonna get you know big matches to talk about, and sometimes we'll get kind of small stuff. But we're still gonna go. I'll also go in extensive detail about that match. Like you said, if it is you know Roddy Piper versus Adrian Adonis, we'll talk about the history of Adrian Adonis. We'll talk about the Dream Team. We'll talk about Roddy Piper. We'll talk about Beefcake. You know, I mean, we'll we'll get into it as much as we can. So that'll be a lot of fun uh, to see where that goes. But that'll be most of March and April. Uh, as well, and that will be on the the, the $5 tier. Uh, And I suppose we should uh, mention this as well. The Deep Dive, coming back uh, potentially this weekend, hopefully this weekend. That's the plan right now. Uh, Do we want to reveal the topic? We've kind of teased the topic, but are are we ready to fully reveal it? Yeah, go ahead. You may as well. We're doing it this weekend. People always say... Joe and Rich, you guys got to talk Joshi. You got to watch Joshi. You got to watch Startup. You got to watch Tokyo Joshi Pro. You guys got to watch Joshi. Well, I tell people, motherfucker, I'm about to watch three and a half hours of Joshi in a row because we are covering our next deep dive is Joshi in the WWF. So this is a very interesting topic. This is your topic, your baby. Uh, So you want to explain this a little bit uh, before we, uh, as we kind of give our last plug here uh, for the deep dive, $5 tier, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Yeah, we're watching and covering and reviewing every single match in WWF, not E, history involving a Joshi wrestler going all the way back to uh, the mid eighties and all the way through, um, I guess through about the Alundra blaze era. Yeah. Like, like, Um, yeah. So a little, like basically mid to late 1995 is about when they abandoned it again. Um, So yeah, yeah. we'll we'll cover, you know, as you said, mid eighties peak of the, uh, the glamour girls, jumping bomb angels, uh, some other people coming over as well from Japan. Uh, Then it kind of goes away for a little bit, pops back up in 1994 uh, and then goes from 94 to 95. But we are coming every single Joshi match that we could find that happened in the WWF ring. We are going to talk about it. So uh, Every match that we could find on tape. Yeah. So what's it like? Three, four hours worth of matches? But yeah, about three like and a half hours. You guys will get a link as well. Yeah. We will give you a link so you can watch along. It'll have a number on there so you know, okay, we're talking about match number two now. We're talking about match number three. Because it will get confusing because there's, what, like seven straight <laughs> Chubby Pom Angels Glamour Girls matches. But uh, that's the art of this. The, the deep dive is that we will watch all those. And there's stuff that you can pick up on. There's different stories being told in these matches. There's stories getting carried over. There's there's things that, you know, little things here and there. I mean, this is all 
carefully done. This is the days when wrestling was, you know, the, the, you know, when wrestling was wrestling, Joe, God damn it, where there's some fun stuff to talk about in each one of these matches. So yeah, it is extensive. It is long, but uh, it, it will definitely be worth it. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to do this show. So we've, we've watched them. We, so ba- basically I watched all the matches, I don't know, like six months ago when we first had this idea. And then we just got too busy and a bunch of shit has happened. But now we finally kind of, things have cooled down a little bit. So we're going to, we're going to dust it off and, and get it ready to go this weekend for you guys. So. No WWE, no Asuka, no Io Shirai. Who could possibly care? We're not going to do any of that because um, you all just watched it. Like that's happening in real time. So this is uh, WWF only, and it'll finally we're finally going to get it on tape um, this weekend. Needed to carve out the time, so uh, that'll be this weekend. So again, uh, great month to subscribe. So get a lot, yeah, getting a lot in March. Jeez, that's getting spoiled. It's a secret. Yeah. I did. I did. I did uh, two she- secret shows last night too. So secret shows. Secret shows are gonna pop up in. Uh, There's in, such secrets I don't know about. You don't know about them. Yeah, you're gonna. You're, you're. I don't know if you're gonna be happy with them. You're gonna. You get buried a lot in these shows. So I'll just let you know. I get that. buried. Oh well. All right. Who the hell's on them? Uh, the nurse. The nurse is on them. So. Oh well. I mean, I don't know what her beef is. I'm nothing <laughs> but nice and kind to this woman. Yeah. But it's it's not about your personality. It's about the the things that you put in your body. Uh, is is I think what she. Uh, she has some beef with, so. I don't mind being the butt of jokes. I'm East Coast. I can take it. <laughs> so, that's fine. Um, I don't think there was any joking. She She's pretty upset about you for, for something. Upset so. about me? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to take another sig of this delicious Coke Z. <laughs> it's not Coke Z. It's fine. You're, 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 I think she's okay with the Coke Z. I think it's other uh, uh, things. Did Joe, did Joe eat stuff? Well, she's, she's very jealous about that because she was like, one day she was like, hey, uh. What if I eat something and like you talk about it on Patreon? <laughs> I'm like, Joe already does that. It's Joe eats. Like you knew it, and she knew it too. And I was like, Joe does that. Yeah. You can't just like, well, I'm not gonna do Michelle eats. Like that's Joe eats. And she was like, Oh, okay. And the guy like like actually upset about it. Like, I think well, she wanted an excuse to eat terrible food. Like you, she wanted to monetize the the terrible food. So she's thinking, cool, I'll eat this like horrendous Little Caesars, whatever, because then you know you'll buy it for me and you won't like. We, we, will, we will feel no shame in this household because we'll be doing an audio about it. You, you know, right. very similar to yeah. what you do, where you're like, honey, look, I have to eat this. Like, it's not, I don't yes. want to, I have to. Yes. Yeah. Well, I try to monetize. I mean, I monetize my wedding ceremony. That's I, true. I want to monetize. I, monetize I still can't anything. believe you did that. I cannot believe you did that. I try, why not? I wish I, mean, I, I wish I saved the text message where I'm like, Joe, are you sure? Like, you really want me to do this? And you're like, yeah, man, come on. I was like, have you asked Brittany? She's like, ah, she doesn't care. She's fine. Like, no, nah, she she didn't. Care. I was she like, is, "Are you sure?" Like, I just want to. I want this marriage to last beyond the weekend. So let's let's make sure that she's okay with this. So she thought it was funny. You know? Okay, good. Yeah, I thought she always has a sense of humor. I thought so. She, I mean, she's she married does, to you, so she's got to know the, the score at this at some. Do point. you know what she deals with on a daily basis? <laughs> I was gonna say. To I me? mean, yeah, it's got to be pretty terrible. So I mean, in a good way, running, in a good way, in a good way. Do you know how many running bits I have going in this house? <laughs> like, it's impossible to keep track. Just imagine this show. Like, this is me. Like that—that's what goes on in his house. I mean, you know. So yeah, she didn't care. I'm—we're sitting there waiting for the fucking guy, and I'm like, oh man, I should, I should monetize this. It was just—it just popped in my head. I'm like, we should make people pay to people will pay to watch. This. I remember you got upset because you were like, ah, oh, they said they're gonna upload it in a minute. Is it up there yet? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't see. You. You're like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> like, let me ask the guy. I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. I'm like, like Joe, I'm, you I'm, just I'm, got married. Like, well, I, I will re- go do whatever you're gonna do. I will check this website where you say it's gonna get uploaded. And in another hour or so, if it's not uploaded, I will let you know. But you're like, nah, let me talk to this guy. Let's see what's going on here. I did, yeah. I I, <laughs> I gave her a kiss and was like, all right, I got to go deal, I gotta go talk to this guy. So I 
blew her off. I went and I, I was like, oh, listen, where are you saying you can upload that? I got, I got paying customers here. You know, <laughs> the guy looked at me like I was from another planet. He's like, what are you paying customers? I'm like, it just come on. I got people to want to see this. I'm like, can I get a timeline, please? You know, I got to take care of my. Uh, I like that you, 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 you surprised the shotgun wedding guy, the guy who God only knows what that guy is seeing on a daily basis. And, and still, yeah. he's like, oh my God, what? <laughs> like, are you kidding? Well, they had um, on, on, in the office of, of a running video of all the different celebrities that got, had gotten married there, right? Uh, you know, all these famous people. I don't remember specifically who it was. I was like, any chance I could get up there? And he's like, well, who are you? <laughs> what do you mean? Who am I? Are you <laughs> yeah. Kidding? Are you kidding me? I'm like, sir, I'm the king of banter. I mean. <laughs> because you know, of the of sex? Have you not heard of me? Like, Yeah, I mean, seriously. So I'm showing him the website and the, the podcast and everything. And he's like. <laughs> oh, my God. He wasn't impressed, no. so suffice to say. He's like, well, no, Burt Reynolds stays. You don't get on there. You're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Have yeah. it your way, buddy. All right. <laughs> because there were some, like, low-level pro athletes and stuff, and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. Do, I can... do you remember one of them? I'm, I'll try to think if that person is. I is... wish. I would... well, you I have wish to go I back. Did. You'll have to go back and take some pictures. So. I wish I did, but there were just, like, lame, like, NBA bench jockeys and stuff, and I'm like, I can maybe get, I can maybe talk my way onto this montage. Yeah, Bobby Hurley, I'm when, better than Bobby fucking Hurley. Come on, like. <laughs> and then when other people are sitting here in the lobby, they're gonna be like, "Who the fuck is that?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, who's that guy? Why is he up there? You know, with my shit-eating grin on my face. <laughs> but um, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't play ball. But yeah, we got that video uploaded. I love like right during the crucial moment of the of the marriage. A siren's going <laughs> off. There's like, so there's like an ambulance going you by. You can't hear anything. You can't hear any of the vows. Because it's yeah. like, Brittany. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. Jesus Christ. Like the most important moment of that woman's life. Like she's so happy that this. It's tremendous. <laughs> like, you don't uh, care. You're laughing. Because like, the sirens are loud and they don't stop. And like. You can tell she's just like she's laughing, but she's probably just like, "Oh God, what a disaster!" You're yucking it up. You're yeah. laughing. This is all on Patreon, by the way. If people want to find this, I think if you watch it, it's like I am holding in laughter the entire time. Like I find the whole thing ludicrous. The guy marrying us was, um, he's like a imposter Elvis for his <laughs> other job. Like he wasn't doing the Elvis he gimmick. Was, yeah, this. yeah. He looks like a guy that you say, "Wow, that guy could be an imposter Elvis," and it's like, "Oh, yeah, I am." Don't worry. Like, but he really is an Elvis impersonator. Like. One of the options is to have him marry you as Elvis, right? But neither one of us are Elvis marks, so we didn't do that. But you can clearly see the guy has, like, the fucking coiffed hairdo and everything. You know, he looks like a guy that would be an Elvis impersonator. So it's, like, it's so hard to take it. So I'm just ready to burst out laughing. But, yeah, I just wanted to get the video up and then go back to the room and fuck is honestly what I was thinking about at that time. But I had to make sure the video got up first, you know? Because, Rich, I don't know if you know this, but I saved myself until marriage. So of course. I was very oh, I, yes, of course. Yeah, Finally to uh, to consummate the marriage, uh, finally, that night. So, uh, Yeah, I was very excited about that. Yeah. Um, this, you know, the first time sex, it was a very uh, tender moment for me. But um, You cried. You cried a little bit, right? I'm sure. Um, tears. Well, wait, during the sex? Well, no, Let's after. not go too far yeah, with the bit okay. here because, right. I, you know, no, I did not cry during the sex. But uh, I'm not willing to go that far for the bit. But um, have you cried during sex? No. Like, what no. were the circumstances? No, Were you getting whipped with a belt not. or something? Yeah, no, no, no I have not. That's, okay. That'd be strange. That'd be bad. <laughs> tears, tears can be erotic. 
We probably shouldn't go down that road. Yeah, let's let's. That's a different show. That's that's a different show. Not not one that I want to be a part of, to be honest. So. <laughs> Good transition to the death of Jim Crockett. <laughs> I was Jr. gonna say. Well, um, we have a lot of topics to talk about this week, but uh, the main one. <laughs> okay, you know what? I need. We need a little bit of a gap here, so I will run over the other topics we're going to talk about. Then that will be enough space between <laughs> the crying during sex and the discussion of the death of Jim Crockett. So this is uh, the portion of the show where Rich. Tugs his yes, collar. yeah, the collar is 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 very tugged right now. Uh, AEW Revolution. We'll do our extensive preview about that show. We'll talk about Shaq making his uh, AEW debut. Probably get into some random '90s NBA talk uh, as well. Hopefully, uh, it will be very tough to not do it. So we'll see what we can do here. Uh, the new AEW signee uh, t- teased by uh, by Paul White on Dynamite. We'll talk a little bit about that. Get some wild speculation. Moxley versus Kenti, uh, Kenta happened. This week, I can't believe Moxley versus Kenta was just this past week. Seems like so long ago. Uh, two castle attack shows, a 40th anniversary show for New Japan. New Japan getting fucking weird as hell and crazy and creating a new title for some goddamn reason. And then also running Yokohama Stadium in Tokyo Dome this, <laughs> this spring as well. So a lot of New Japan randomness, the randomness to talk about. Uh, and then, of course, probably at the end here, we'll touch on uh, NXT uh, moving to Tuesdays. Not not official official yet, but as official as you could be without literally saying we're moving to Tuesday. So we'll talk about that, uh, kind of the, the end of the Wednesday Night Wars or whatever this thing is that we're going to call it here and, 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 and just kind of the, the whole experiment of moving uh, NXT to Wednesday and, and going head-to-head. Or not moving, you know, they were their first show. I don't know if you knew that, but the experiment of, of existing to uh, take down uh, AEW and, and, and how that worked. But uh, unfortunately, we'll start out with uh, some, some sad news here about the death uh, of Jim Crockett Jr. And, and for people that are like kind of wrestling observer uh, listeners, you kind of had an idea that this was happening. Dave, basically last week, about at this same time, was was touching on you know Jim Crockett having a lot of health issues. Uh, he had had I think kidney uh, issues for a long, long time. He was on dialysis, all that sort of stuff. Well, he caught COVID, and that did not go well when you have kidney issues and organ issues already. Uh, and I think he was in just a lot of pain. Stuff was shutting down, and he finally decided a few days ago uh, he was going to take himself off dialysis and and, and just kind of enter hospice care. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, it does not take long after that. Once you take yourself off dialysis, uh, it's just a matter of days. And, and unfortunately, it was just a matter of days for Jim Crockett Jr. So uh, Jim Crockett Jr. dies age f- uh, 76. Uh, let's talk a little bit Jim Crockett Jr. I mean, we, we've if, if you really want like extensive Crockett Jr. discussions, which I'm sure we'll do a little bit of that here. But like every single year on the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. When we we touch on the wrestling observer Hall of Fame, we talk about Jim Crockett Jr. because I was I've always voted for Jim Crockett Jr. I always thought that he deserved uh, inclusion in there. I always thought you know one of the more influential and and and, and powerful promoters uh, of his era, one of the more successful promoters, despite what happened you know at the at the end of his run. But uh, I was always kind of a Jim Crockett Jr. supporter. Uh, I was kind of always boggled my mind that he wasn't in the Observer Hall of Fame and that he didn't get uh, you know much much in the way of votes, but. Uh, uh, overall, what did you think of uh, the, when you heard the news uh, of Jim Crockett Jr.'s death, and and I guess just a little bit about him as we kind of discuss his his life and his career here? Well, I think that Jim Crockett promotions, when they were really cooking and they were really at their hottest, is for my money the greatest period of any uh, territory in the history of American wrestling. Um, you know, probably that period where Dusty is booking, so. I'd probably say from about 85 to 87, if you really want to extend it, you can say maybe 84, mid 84 to the sale, if you really want to stretch it out. But I think 87 is really the the end of the real peak, in my opinion. I think the sale was in 88. 
when they sold the Turner. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you really want to extend it out, you could say maybe like 84 till the sale. But really that 85 to 87 period, I mean, that shit is just so good. I mean, to, to me, for my money, that's peak pro wrestling. That is just peak pro wrestling. And it was just – and I'm talking the Dusty, Magnum, Ronnie Garvin on the babyface side battling the horsemen every night. And then you throw the Russians in the mix. And, man, that just, that just will never be replicated again. It was just a special place in time. And it really was only a two- or three-year period. You know, maybe three and a half, four years if you're being generous. But that's why I would always say when New Japan was going strong, I always said on this show, appreciate it. Take the time to appreciate what you're watching. We're very lucky to be in this place and time with modern New Japan. I would always say that. And we were – it was very odd that that hot period of New Japan lasted about eight years. And I am of the firm belief that it ended the night that Tetsuya Naito won the double titles at the Tokyo Dome as all those stories wrapped up. And I do believe we're in a new era of New Japan. But that lasted seven or eight years, and that's so unusual. You know, that hot period of Crockett, like I said, maybe two or three years. Uh, You look at other hot periods in other companies. Rich, Attitude Era, would you put it from uh, Montreal till the Austin turn? Is that yeah, fair? that's that's about yeah. That's that's the that's the timeline that I I go with. So yeah, I go November ninety seven, no, November ninety seven to yeah April two thousand one. So essentially, you can three call all of ninety eight, all of ninety nine, all of two thousand, then a few other months after that. So three and a half years basically. Okay, so again, you look at ECW. I mean, I would say ninety five till barely legal. If you want to get. Uh, liberal with it maybe part you know 94 till barely but still what are you dealing with two or three years um you talk about ring of honor i would say about 2005 till what 2007 maybe 2008 you know you want to get generous and say 2004 till gabe was fired in 2009 you know you're talking again three four years tops you know peak ring of honor you go right down the line um you know these you have to appreciate when these promotions get hot. WCW, when the outsiders show up, when Scott Hall walks out to Nitro until what, 99? Is that fair? 98? Even there, yeah. I mean, honestly, you could probably cut it off. At, if you want to, if you want to get, be generous about it, I would say, yeah, call call it May 1996 when the, the outsiders show up or Scott Hall shows up till, if you want to, December 98, basically. Or, you know what, you, use the finger poke of doom. January 1999, yeah. and then after that point, it's pretty much done. So Yeah, and even if you want to have the start point be the beginning of Nitro, that's still September 95. Yeah, exactly. So, 90. so you're still, again, it's you, these hot periods usually go about three years, three, four years, where it's red hot. And, you know, Crockett, you know, when people talk about Jim Crockett promotions and how great it was, they're talking about that period from about 85 to 87 with uh, Dusty as the booker. But, you know, Jim Crockett Jr. took over in the 70s. He went through a number of bookers. I mean, he had George Scott early who did a great job um, in the the period right before Dusty. Well, I guess Ole Anderson got was in the mix. I think, yeah, I, I, and again, but, I, I would I, – that's that's more of a, a, an exact question for a, you know Chris Zellner type or whatever. But, yeah, I believe it was – George Scott was the first one to kind of take it under – You know, I think he was already there when Senior still had 
the company, but then Jim Crockett Jr. kind of inherited him. Then I think there was Ole. Then I think it was Dusty, right? Or then it was Dory well, Funk no, was in there too. You're missing well, Dory so. Funk. Yeah, Dory right, Funk right. handled the early Starcades, but it had a different feel during those years. It really became what people think of the hot when Dusty to Dusty. It was his baby. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I remember when I, when I, uh, maybe in the early, maybe the early days of the network or even like WWE 24 seven, they had a lot of NWA content on there. And I remember initially jumping to, or maybe I downloaded a pack or something like that. And I went right to like 83. Cause there's always the, the famous, you know, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes cage match of Starcade 83. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, here we go. And that show is like, not that, you know, it's just like, not what I yeah. expected that I was going to get it's very it feels more of the 70s it feels of a, of a completely different era and i was like man i really kind of thought this was because i i you know seen little bits and pieces of you know then like you're saying the 85 to kind of to me 87 88 that that range i've seen a bunch of that stuff and i was like i don't know man this doesn't like really kind of land with me I, I maybe i don't maybe this isn't as good as i thought and then i popped over to like you know in 1985 and it's like oh this is what i wanted this fucking rocks this is yeah. awesome this is incredible so yeah you're right it, it, it there's that temptation to immediately go to like you know starcade 83 or whatever and it's like yeah it's 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 an important show and it's an interesting show, but like the things really get rocking by like eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven. That's when it's a hell of a lot of fun. You know, Dory, not my favorite Booker either. No, yeah, kind of kind of boring. I'll um, be honest, but you know, yeah. hey, important, but uh, but pretty boring. So, yeah, but um, you know, the dusty years uh, were great, and then you know, Crockett Junior. had the guts to attempt to go head to head with Vince on a national level when none of the other guys really did. A lot of the other promoters just tried to beat Vince locally. That was never going to work. He was going to buy the TV time. He was going to steal all your talent and then he was going to come back to your town with that talent. And that's what he did to a lot of these guys. And a lot of guys just threw in the towel early and just sold out to him. Crockett decided to fight and um, it was an uphill battle that he wasn't going to win, but uh, you know, he, he decided to, you know, expand, you know, to Philly and into New York and all of these strongholds that were Vince strongholds. And it, it was just, uh, too much to overcome. And then eventually, you know, they obviously sell to, uh, Turner in November, I think November, it was late 88. Yeah. I, be- I believe, yeah. November. Either September or November, uh, 88. But Crockett made a lot of big business moves over the years. I mean, I think. A lot of people forget he was tied in with uh, with the with the Toronto territory until Frank Tunney died, and then of course Jack Tunney um, switched allegiances to to Vince McMahon, which is why he was the kayfabe president, you know, President Jack Tunney. Um, that was the connection there with the, with the Toronto territory, and Crockett was the one who bought the TBS time slot back from Vince McMahon. After that was a total bomb for Vince because the viewers rejected it mm-hmm. and gave and gave and, him a three hundred thousand dollar profit on it too, which yeah and helped Crockett fund WrestleMania it. unfortunately. So yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. I mean, Crockett bought it from him, and and really that's really what springboarded Crockett into that hot period, and that's what I'm talking about. That was around eighty. That was eighty five. Yep, exactly. So, yep. um, one mistake that Crockett made is when they bought when when Bill Watts threw in the towel and sold the UWF to Crockett, he made the classic promoter mistake that we've seen repeated over and over and over in that he immediately buried all the UWF guys and beat them. Right. He established that my guys are better than these UWF guys, which, yeah, uh, does not make a very, very good invasion because uh, 
when you establish that these other guys are geeks and your guys are the stars, then nobody really gives a shit that these guys are invading your company. So, yeah. I mean, you own it. It's yours. Make it look strong. You could win in the end and then do what you're going to do but and make new stars out of it. But no, it's just... And, you know, we saw that repeat with Vince McMahon with the Invasion. Yep. The Invasion pay-per-view does that huge buy rate, like or 700,000 buys or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there, 700, 800,000, something like that. But, yeah, an incredible, incredible buy rate. for. And, by the way, the, the Invasion had sucked before that, too. But people were still invested in it to the, to the point of that Invasion pay-per-view and then then decided finally, okay, this, this actually sucks, so we're done. The biggest non-WrestleMania... Uh, total number of pay-per-view buys. I don't want to say buy rate and piss off Chris Harrington. <laughs> total number of pay-per-view buys to that point in history. And then Vince did the same thing that Crockett did. He just overwhelmed. He just, the ego gets in the way. You have to prove that my guys are better than your guys. And you, you, it sucks all the money out of it. They could have made so, they could have made millions and millions of dollars on the invasion. We don't need to go back down that road, but the same thing happened on us on a smaller scale with, with the UWF purchase. And, um, you know, they just beat all those guys and all the WCW guys won. And, you know, that that really could have been – look, I don't think it was going to save them. At that point, it's too late. And then by 88, you know, uh, Dusty's booking just – you know, it, it's too repetitive. And, and we all know the issues with, with Dusty's booking and it just it – all, it all fell apart. And then they just sold to Turner in 88. And that was it. And – Crockett Jr. took over, I think, in the mid-70s. I mean, Jim Crockett probably died in 1973. Yeah, 73. Yeah, Jim Crockett uh, Sr. died in 1973. Um, and, 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 and Crockett Jr. took over. Was yeah, so there was there was a weird – there was a brother-in-law who was there, but then he uh, divorced and exiled from the family. And then Jim Crockett Jr., who I think at that point was either 29 or 30, took over. Which is just unbelievable. Imagine, like, a major wrestling promotion going to a 30-year-old right now. You know what I mean? Like, Well we, – we, History. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing it right now. Yeah. I mean, how what's Tony Khan? Thirty six or something? I yeah, mean, I somewhere around there. He's right around my age, I think. Yeah. So, so uh, yo, you've been kayfabe in your age lately. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. I don't know what it is. He's thirty eight, actually. So he's four years old. He's thirty eight. Yeah, he's he's in between us. You've been kayfabe in your age because I think you feel like you're getting older. <laughs> well, I'm getting to the point where when the show first started, I called you old all the time. And now I'm that age that you were when we started. You're like show, older so. than I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I can't, uh, I can't be the oh look at old ass Joe here. What are you, 34? And you're like, hey, Rich, 34 is not bad. Like I'm still, I'm still getting it done. I'm still in the bedroom. I remember like you know early days, yeah. I make fun of you. Like hey, 34, I'm still making it work in the bedroom. It's fine, it's fine, it's good. And, I want to make know. it clear that my penis is still tremendous. Just, <laughs> right, despite yeah, no matter what. To make but, it clear, listen, I'll bring TLB in here to verify if if you if if you want me to. But I, I do not. No, no I, I do not. I, I trust. I trust. Okay. The so. But just in case, I mean, there's no problems in that department, you know. I will pop the occasional, you know, gas station pill or novelty. <laughs> the big rhino. Black, black market Viagra novelty. But that's just for shits and giggles. And it's always a terrifying experience. I don't recommend that. If you have a healthy penis and you take those things, it's like it's it, your boner. It feels like it's going to tear your skin. It's just don't do it. You get a headache. You get delirious. <laughs> sounds awesome. But, uh, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely terrible. Um, but uh, but anyway, just I wanted to clarify that, just so no one misunderstands. Yes, here. yes, yes. Okay. Sorry. I you know my penis is still very healthy, but you may continue. <laughs> That's I was yeah, but no, I'm I'm definitely there. So yeah, he was uh, he was he was like 29 or 30 when he took over the company, and and yeah, it's just like crazy, crazy young. 
uh, at, at that age. And I think like who was uh, the, there was the other Crockett, the one who ended up being the uh, like cameraman or production guy, David, right? David. Am I, uh, David? David Crockett, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he was, like, a little even younger than him, and he was, like, because uh, I, I think the story was that Jim Crockett Jr. was, like, nah, I'm good, I don't really want to be in wrestling, <laughs> and it was just, like, at, at a certain point, it just kind of came to, like, hey, here you go, this company's yours now, and he's, like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll do it, and, and, and that's where, you know, George Scott, the early days of George Scott, really kind of helped him, you know, guided him uh, through that, and then, obviously, yeah, then he kind of got a feel for it, got a little bit of love for it. And was a pretty big player in the industry. I mean, it, it, and that's always been the thing where I cannot believe that that there's that much of an argument about him for the Observer Hall of Fame. We don't have to do that sort of show. We don't have to yeah. do it. But like Jim Crockett Senior is in. Jim Crockett Junior is still not in. And it's like, dude, from nineteen you know seventy three to nineteen eighty seven. I mean, that's a pretty goddamn good run of a guy really making it work. Like financially, just buying you know successful in his own territory realizing, fuck, if I want to compete with this Vince McMahon guy, I got to buy stuff up. So he starts going there, and he's neck and neck with Vince until literally the final year when he just can't do it anymore. He just exhausts him completely. Vince has got a little bit more of his of his edge. He's got a little bit more. He can play the pay-per-view companies a little bit more than, than Crockett could, and that's essentially what does it in. Or, you know, Crockett then also gets a little silly on his own right and says, oh, I need to, you know, I'm going to run Starcade from, you know, Chicago because that and it's like dude no just do what you you know but but again like that was the temptation is if you're gonna if you're gonna survive you either sell the Vince you know in terms of like survive for your own well-being and your your own is you're just gonna say here you go just take my money and then give me a job or whatever and half the people got jobs and other people were told just to go fuck themselves Jerry Briscoe he was given a job forever you know Jack Tunney was given a job forever a bunch of guys were given jobs forever other guys were told yeah you're gonna get a job and then they're immediately fired and sent away and, and and gone or whatever so you could survive your 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 life that way or you could fight you know what I mean like you could go at it and very few companies were able to do it Bill Watts tried it he wasn't able to do it eventually Crockett takes over Bill Watts Crockett's the last guy. That 88, when that's done, it's done. And Vince has won the war. He's destroyed the territories. He's done all that sort of stuff. And and I feel like, unfairly, Jim Crockett Jr. gets sort of... I don't know, he gets a lot of the blame for Jim Crockett Promotions failing. And it's like, what would have been different if, like... Or how differently would we perceive him if, in 1986... Vince goes, hey, for $2 million, I'll give you Jim, you know, uh, sell me Jim Cracker promotions. If he just goes, oh, okay, and does it, like, do we consider him an all time great wrestling booker or an all time great wrestling promoter? Or do yeah, you went, care too much about the last two years where it goes downhill? Like, I, I just don't know if that's fair. If, like, you know, 15 years of success, you know, it, it gets completely negated because of two years of, 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 of negativity. I, I don't know. I, I just don't love that. Yeah, he went down swinging. I mean, you got to respect, respect that. It. I respect the hell out of it. That's why I've always but said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to blame him. him for going down like that. I'm not because well, nobody else did. There was a, what, 130 they, other people just said, well, <laughs> fuck it. All yeah. right, we're done. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they see him as losing the war. Right. And that, that's like a, the black mark. But yeah, I, I agree. That Everybody probably, lost the war. He fought the longest in the war. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving you, I'm, you know, get a purple medal for that one. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, everybody you know, lost. It, it, every every wrestling promoter from the from centuries lost the war. <laughs> you know, like we always. We, Don Owen gets credit for just kind of like existing in his own little world and being like, "Oh God, don't come here, Fitz, don't come here." You know what I mean? Like, and that's cool. Like, I'm glad, but like, I don't think that he deserves any more credit than than, than a Jim Crockett does. But yeah, yeah, and he also had the benefit of wrestlers standing up for him and refusing to work. Like Roddy Piper would not work that area of the country for right, right 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 and piper was a big enough star to get away with it to say i'm not working shows in portland i'm not doing it i'm not going head to head with this man i owe him my life you know and he could stand up to vince and pull that off so that that helped a lot too 
And wasn't there a, um, a situation where WWF didn't even run in Oregon for many years because of some kind of tax thing? Or I think I so. The yeah, they, they very rarely ran uh, uh, Oregon. Yeah, yeah I, I forget what it was. Probably some sort of because of the way wrestling was classified or something. Yeah, it was some sort of commission thing or blood testing yeah. or you know something wild like that 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 you know, made it a reason why no, very similar to why nobody runs in Missouri ever ever. You know, even uh, St. Right. Louis Anarchy runs across the river in uh, in Illinois. So, right, right, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that eighty five to eighty seven period. I mean, they were just red. I mean, the crowds were red hot. Oh Everything God. is red hot. Yeah. The the look the 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 t- every the television is is red hot. The Great American Bash shows are red hot. I mean, the crowds are just molten. So you could see why they thought they had a real chance to compete. You know, and they would go to Philly and have hot crowds. They'd go to Chicago and have hot crowds. They just weren't big enough crowds. And you're just you're fighting this this unbeatable monster. And you know, eventually they went down and. And did sell to Turner. And then it's funny because Turner, um, George Scott came back in the early days of of the Turner-led WCW. But he had been gone from wrestling for so long that he was horrendous in that run as Booker. George Scott was the guy who he hired the Iron Sheik because the Iron Sheik had just come off WWF TV. And he was just thinking that, Oh well, and you know, 1984, whatever the fuck, this guy was a huge star. <laughs> right, so 1989. <laughs> so he brings yeah. in Iron Sheik, and Iron Sheik is just—he's horrendous to the point that he's useless, and they can't even put him—they can't even put him on TV. So they send him home to just sit out the rest of his contract. And it's like a hundred thousand dollar contract, and he's sitting home just doing nothing and getting paid. They forget that they sent him home. Like they forgot about him and his contract had a rollover in it if they didn't fire him at the end of year one and they forgot he was sitting home and the contract rolled over and they had to pay him a whole nother year to do nothing because he was so horrible. Like that's how the George Scott era went the second time around. That's, yeah. That just oh, and, how and, and, and I think one of the other issues with Jim Crocker Jr. It, it, potentially in the way people kind of perceive his run as well is I think he gets a lot of undue sort of kind of backlash or, or, or shrapnel whatever you want to say for like the early days of like the turner run wcw which he's out i mean like you really look at his yeah. run he's done he's out of there by 88 he's, he's not he's not involved in anything i think he had a job for like two more days and then they're like i right, actually know what get out of here like he was supposed to get some job they were going to hire you know all the crockets and he was supposed to be some sort of consultant and yeah i think that lasted like literally two days i think george scott took over right didn't he and tell him to go fucking hit the bricks i think scott was the for the next booker there might have been i mean something happened where crockett was basically a turner employee for like three days and then told actually this isn't gonna work go away but he um, remained in charge of the nwa right 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 and and that that's another thing too so he, i think he gets some 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 blowback for you know the early days of wcw which is always a fucking train wreck for examples like that and that's one of like about a thousand different examples where at that point he's done so he, he doesn't deserve that criticism anymore he deserves up to eight, you know 87 88 give him all the criticism you want for the way that he ran that company you know, I still think going down fighting is is pretty cool. And then he gets a lot of shit for the, the death of the NWA. But it's like, what the hell was he supposed to do? Like, the NWA was completely decimated by Vince McMahon. Like, Jim Crockett was just given the NWA because they had nothing, nobody else to fucking run the thing anymore. Nobody was in business anymore. So it's like, here you go, buddy. And then it's like, he's like, well, what the hell do you want me to do with the NWA? And then the NWA cracks and crumbles as well. And it's like, ah, look at Jim Crockett. It's the fuck. He's, again, he survives and gets all the shit that, that everybody else that bowed out and peaced out. They get nothing, you know, that yeah, I don't know. He was the NWA president during the time he was running Jim Crockett promotions. And that's why he changed a lot of the branding to NWA. 
you know, because he was the NWA president. He remained the NWA president after he sold. And then really, and I'm talking about this on November right now because we're in that period on November to remember where a lot of people may not realize this when Paul Heyman. Okay, so Eddie Gilbert hired Paul. He brought Paul Heyman into ECW just to help him out for a while and be a talent and to help with the booking a little bit. You know, when Gilbert was booking ECW for Todd Gordon. And Heyman was just biding time because the world, the, the original WWN, which was going to be Paul Heyman and Jim Crockett, was going to get going as soon as Crockett's non-compete ended. Okay, they had a, like a dummy owner at first just for legal purposes, but Crockett was going to step in when his non-compete ended and Heyman was going to be the booker. And they were going to shoot this new promotion, WWN, starting in 94. And Heyman was just – ECW was just a pit stop. And then he was going to go run this thing with Crockett. They were like an they internet. Were to, they were trying to do internet stuff too, right? What they were no, they were going to shoot in HD in 1994. <laughs> Jesus, this is how forward thinking Heyman has always been. He knew that HD was the future, and he wanted to shoot this in HD as early as 1994. I didn't know what HD was in 1994. I mean, you know, so he was thinking ten steps ahead, but. When the WWN thing fell apart, you know, they ran – they allegedly run, they ran that show in Fort, Fort Hood, which a lot of people dispute ever even happened. But the thing about that Fort Hood show – and this is all done in excruciating detail on November. These are the cliff notes. Is I found – Dean Malenko went on AEW – what do they call their podcast with? Girl Hebner and uh, – uh, The unrestricted, unrestricted or whatever. Yeah, I think it's unrestricted, yeah. So a lot of people doubt that the Fort Hood show happened because they claim there were 8,000 fans, but they didn't film it. Oh, darn. <laughs> Whoops. I forgot to hit record. Oh, man. And, and the reports that got sent to the Torch and the Observer were scary similar. Everyone just assumes they were from Heyman. You know what I mean? And they said that Jake Roberts was like – he channeled the past and had this incredible match. <laughs> right, of course, of course. Every match was great. Yeah, believe it or not. And there was this 35-minute best of three falls tag with the Kimono Dragons versus um, – I forget who the opponents were. And uh, and one of those masked kimono dragons was Dean Malenko filling in for Eddie Guerrero, who couldn't make the booking. And Malenko – and everyone has doubted that the show took place. Or Malenko went on the Unrestricted podcast and confirmed the story. He didn't name it by name, but he said in passing, oh, yeah, I did this booking for Paul Heyman once where I was a dragon. I was a kimono dragon. Oh, there you go. And I was like, holy shit, that's the <laughs> it's show. real. Like, then. Yeah, that's... It's real. Like, I don't know if there were 7,000 fans there or whatever. That might be, you know, but it's, but the match, that match happened. Was it, was it a 40 minute best of three falls, five star classic? Like it was presented to the sheets. I don't know. But at minimum, we know that, that Malenko worked that match on that show. Um, but that was, you know, the first attempt at a WWN show. And then I think they did a taping in New York. Um, uh, Manhattan Center. Office. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. Manhattan Center, February 28th, 1994. And he wanted. They wanted to build around Road Warrior Hawk as a top guy, and because um, he was a, you know, he was doing ECW shots around that time as well. But uh, Heyman wanted to build around Road Warrior Hawk and Conan, and um, uh, believe it or not, uh, Hugh, um, whatever, um, whatever Hugh Morris's name was, Crash the Terminator. Um, the typical Paul Heyman thinking for like a guy like who else would book Crash the Terminator? <laughs> right, Hugh Morris, yeah. <laughs> 1994, and, and and build a company around him. Yeah, but that was kind of the idea, and then mix in people like Jake Roberts and whatnot just to get people in the door. Yeah, Bob Orton. I'm um, looking at this show. You got uh, yeah, you got Bob Orton, Jake Roberts, a few older uh, you know older guys as well. 
Do you have the Fort Hood show available? Uh, I can try to get it. Yeah, here, let me try to try to yeah. get it. For See you if you quick. can find that Fort Hood show. I want. I can't remember who the Kimono Dragons faced, but with this alleged, you know, five star match, best of three falls. Um, but it was Ted Petty and you know the future Rocco Rock and Dean Malenko as the Kimono Dragons. I just cannot remember. The opponents may have been... Uh, okay, so we got the Komodo Dragons, Dean Malenko, and Ted Petty uh, beat uh, Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. I was going to say bad company. 37 yep. minutes, three falls here for this guy. Uh, yeah. This is a... Man, there's a lot of long matches on this alleged show here. Uh, Jake Robertson, Bob Orton Jr. apparently went 34 minutes. That seems like a lot. So And and in the and in the, and in the show reports, they allegedly... Tour of the house. Though. Oh, I'm sure. No. <laughs> That's yes, a 34 minute 1993 Jake Roberts Bob Orton Jr. match. Uh, Think about know. those two guys in 1993. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I wasn't there, obviously, game. but uh, that sounds like a dubious claim that they tore the house down and channeled their, <laughs> you know, their themselves from 10 years ago at that point. Or I guess Jake a little bit less than 10, but uh, yeah, Bob Orton, you got to really go back to to get him back in his I don't know working days, I guess. Think about Jake in that era. We've seen the AAA matches from that era. Uh, WCW matches. That's like pretty and, well because the Halloween Havoc that's is 92. like yeah, yeah, right. that's not even ninety three yet. And then by ninety four, by ninety four, his life's in shambles. He no shows Smoky Mountain. It's just so yeah. It's very very. Dubious in between claims. all that, he went to Fort Hood and had a thirty four minute five star classic with Bob Orton Jr. So. Yeah, and like uh, Hawk forgot his gear and had to wear nails back up prison jumpsuit on the show because he, uh, he faced the convict uh uh kevin walkowitz or whatever so on that right show, so. right and that sounds awesome were, this sounds like a great promotion i wish these shows are uh people have been looking for that tape for 27 years and it's just it's never gonna turn up but um anyway that was jim crockett that was his gonna be his next project when his non-compete and he was gonna have paul Heyman as his booker he was gonna shoot in hd and those are the two shows that they ran so uh the original wwn and then after that, he basically threw his hands he was done, at pro yeah. wrestling and just got into whatever other business he was going to Some get sort into of insurance, it. or I think he was selling houses or, or something like that. Yeah, I forget what it was exactly. but uh... In Texas. Um, I think he owned the Sportatorium for a short time before they tore it down. But um, he was going to do a podcast with Conrad as part of the Conrad uh, universe. and He did about... one. I believe he did one. He did one like conversations with Conrad, but then nothing after that, which, which stinks. Cause... I think he got sick. Yeah, because this what sucks is because he's a guy who you know he popped up during some of those death of WCW, uh, Monday Night Wars, early you know WWE you know DVDs that they did in in, in the two thousands. But other than that, he really didn't talk much about wrestling. He was kind of like, nah, I'm done with it. I'm over it. I'm I'm moving on. But it seemed like in recent years he was opening up a little bit more to say, hey, you know what? Let me tell this story. Uh, and that's kind of one of the shames of it is right as he starts kind of ramping it up and saying, you know what? Yeah, let me talk about my life and 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 you know the the history of the business and all that sort of stuff uh, is when he gets sick and and and. and and now, you know, has passed away. So it sucks. There's a lot of knowledge uh, that just that just died earlier this week and went away. So yeah. it sucks. Yeah, his perspective will never be heard now. And um, you can't hear that, do you? I, I had a video playing by accident. No, no, no. I, I, I did not. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's those stories from his perspective will will never be told. And then WWN fell apart, and Heyman had no backup plan. I mean, he had, he was in the middle of that lawsuit with WCW and then he finessed his way into Eddie Gilbert's job. And there's different stories to that. I'm putting it all together. That's going to be not the next November, but maybe the one after that, where I get into how Heyman took over from Gilbert. But I was watching, have you ever seen, um, 
looking for Mr. Gilbert? The shoot interview with Eddie Gilbert from February 94? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's considered the first shoot interview in the way that we know them today. Because he's in a hotel room and it's Bob Barnett who's doing the interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost two hours long and it's like this legendary collector's thing. This, it, it, I think it's on YouTube. But um, looking for Mr. Gilbert, it, February 94, about a year before he died, he sat down and did the first – like now it doesn't seem like anything because everybody, everybody goes to a, a hotel room <laughs> and yeah. does the shoot interview you know, with, with what's-his-face and, and, and commentaries and, and those guys. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. That's exact format. But for the time, it was like, whoa, and he's shooting, you know? And they don't really talk about ECW a ton because this was done in February 94, and ECW really wasn't a big deal yet. It was just a footnote on Gilbert's career to that point. He was only there like you know three, four months. And when they get to that part in the interview, they don't even name ECW by name. Barnett's like, oh, tell me what happened in Philly, right? And Gilbert, and it's so like – it's almost sad because you see his body language change and he just goes, well, yeah, I was there for a couple months and we were doing some good things, but Paul, Paul learned from me. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, you know, and he's the like, backstabber got backstabbed. Back he's, like, he's like, damn it. God damn He's it. like, all I'm going to say is, is Paul learned, learned from me. And he's deflated <laughs> because, because ECW I really think Eddie Gilbert saw that as his chance to be the Jerry Lawler of Philly and he was going to he saw the potential there and he knew that that could be a big thing and he was right but just not with him. Uh, <laughs> it's just he wasn't going to be involved. So. <laughs> Heyman finessed him out. And look, he it's not like Heyman just look, Gilbert shot himself in the foot. You're getting a free Jovember episode. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. But, this is yeah, usually I have to pay 5 bucks for this, but I guess not, not anymore. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we do on Jovember though. A little plug here. But Gilbert shot himself in the foot too. I mean, he, you know, allegedly tried to fuck Todd Gordon's wife. He, which I mean, it's Eddie Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you don't even. There's a very good chance. Allegedly, he tried to, but there's probably a ninety percent chance that it did occur. Yes, because he tried to leverage Todd Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, he he tried to leverage Todd Gordon for a raise by saying that he was gonna that Jim Crockett offered him the booking job for the WWN project. And Gordon was suspicious, and he went to Heyman and asked him about it. And Heyman said, Todd, that can't be true. And Gordon was like, well, how do you know? He goes, because I'm already the booker. Because <laughs> I'm him. Yeah. He's like, that's my job. <laughs> right. Like, I'm booking the shows. We've run, you know. And then at that point, you know, Gordon lost trust, obviously. And then that was it. But um, I'll save the rest of the story because I go way deeper on November. Um, I already started recording some of that. But um, but yeah, that's kind of like how Jim Crockett and WWN ties into the history of ECW as well, you know, because uh, Heyman was just there to be a manager, and he was he did have a hand in some of the creative. If you look at the old credits on those ninety three shows, Paul Heyman's listed as like an associate producer or something, you know. It was the Gilberts. It was Eddie Gilbert, Doug Gilbert, um, uh, Jerry Lawler's son, uh, Freddie Gilbert. Uh, you know, the evil ref and Heyman, you know, that, that was the room, but Eddie Gilbert clearly in control and booking for that period, you know? So um, anyway, that's, uh, 
that was how Gore, uh, Jim Crockett tied in to ECW with WWN. But yeah, um, yeah it's a and, shame that he wasn't able to do those podcasts with Conrad. I know. I was really looking forward to them. I'm actually probably going to listen to the other. I, I haven't yet listened to the, the one that he did, but uh, I might jump into those just because uh, I've always been interested in that time period and, and, and how things went down uh, with Crockett. But I mean, all that, most of that stuff's on the network. I mean, it's not hard to find if, if, if we've piqued your interest a little bit. Uh, 1985, man, like just... Watch the Saturday nights, watch the 605s, watch the Starcades, watch, I mean, just, I don't know. You really can't go wrong, 85 to 88, like, you know, there's there's good shit in pretty much all that, so. Um. I think it's interesting when George Scott comes back in 89, and he's so lost, that we've seen that repeat over and over and over. We've seen Bill Watts, remember when McMahon hired Bill Watts? Yes, yeah, of course, yeah, gone, yeah. After he, you know, long after the Hank Aaron stuff, and the interview with Wade wade keller and watts lasted like three months or something maybe not even that long, no maybe no weeks. i i covered it in a uh man what did i cover it in it, one of these one of the retro shows that i did and yeah it lasted literally the the observer one week is bill watts has been hired and given unilateral control of creative uh world wrestling uh federation as vince mcmahon has decided that he no longer you know has his, his finger on the pulse and he wanted bill watts and like literally the next month is like bill watts is <laughs> relieved of his duties as far as it lasted like literally a, a week and a half yeah yeah pulse. You know, we saw it when Eric Bischoff returned to run SmackDown. Right. Well, because the year. idea was Bill Watts said, okay, I will do this job, but you have to let me do whatever. And Vince said, it's your yeah. job, pal. It's all you. And Bill Watts went, okay, I want to do this. And Vince went, eh, actually, we're going to do this. And he was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. Like, yeah. So it lasted literally just- one booking meeting where, you know, Vince got uh, Bill Watts got overruled immediately by Vince and just went, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. So Yeah. And it's also these bookers, once they're gone for a while, they just don't you, – you end up hiring the Iron Sheik. I mean – because you don't know when you're out of it and you're not following it, you know, and, and, and we've seen it repeat over and over and over and it almost never works. Well, hell, Bill Watson so. in, in 92, even like, I, I, I like that yeah. time. I like that time period, but you know, he walks in and he sees, you know, flying Brian. He's like, what are you doing kid? And he's like, uh, jumping off the top rope. And he's like, no, no more of that shit. Not anymore. You're yeah. Not. He's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought I was popular and people enjoyed me. He was like, well, no, not anymore. So I was like, oh, yeah. okay, sorry. <laughs> I won't uh, do high flying anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was it for George Scott at that point too. I mean, oh wait, he may have. Um, no, no, no. He was with WWF right at the start of the Hulk, Hulkamania yes, era. Yes, yeah. He was like, yeah. Right, I think came in at what eighty forty five, and I think then he was done, right? And he was done, and then yeah, and then you know, and then that's why when he came back in eighty nine, he was like, oh, the Iron Sheik's available. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, <laughs> shit, I'm rubbing Garden. my hands together. This guy's money, you know. Um, yeah. We got a lot to get to. So we, we do, yeah, yeah. Problem. So that's that. That's that. So, um, all right. So Jim Crocker from uh, promotions. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. As I said, you can find that pretty easily. All right, let's uh, let's go talk about uh, AW Revolution coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, obviously, as we said, instant reaction. Uh, Voiceofwrestling dot com slash Patreon available uh, for the ten dollar tiers. Immediately, immediately following uh, the show on Sunday, we will cover that. But uh, let's preview the show right now. So. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the dynamite this week, or, or some of the stuff, or do you want to get right into uh, Revolution? Well, did you see the? Well, did you see the Shack match? I did see the Shack match. Yes. What do you think? Fucking good. Real good. That was one of the yeah. better celebrity matches I've seen in a long time. I mean, that was awesome. that was awesome because everybody played the role to perfection. I thought Jade was awesome in it. I think they did, they whatever they needed to do with her. I think they did it exactly. She did just enough where you can kind of say, "Wow, okay, it looks like she's got some talent." She jumps off the page. She's got all that sort of stuff. Uh, Shack. 
as playing the Andre the Giant cosplay that he did for a few minutes was pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah. then that big bump, man, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I'm like, oh man, what? I I, I saw the gift before because I actually, you know, I was I was watching the match and then I had to go do something, so I paused it and I grabbed my phone at some point in between there and I look at my phone and I see. Shaq going through tables and I'm like what the fuck like how I'm surprised he did this and he was cool with it but that's awesome I mean I don't know who pitched it I don't know who said let's do it but uh yeah whoever did I mean that that is a moment that that AEW knew was a big deal and and that's gonna be I mean that that's a gift that's gonna last for a long time you know what I mean like in terms of the equity that you're gonna get out of that thing that gif that's gonna be on inside the NBA that's gonna be on a bunch of different fucking memes like yeah that that's just awesome like if you can get I can't believe Shaq wanted to do it, but it was safe as hell. You know what I mean? Like, he just had to trust, you know, Cody to, to handle him and trust everybody to handle him. But, yeah, it was an awesome, awesome moment there uh, where he goes through that table. And, and yeah, I thought Cody did great as kind of being the base for Shaq and uh, and doing some stuff. And then I thought Red Velvet was the star of that match, though, to me. When it was done, I was like, holy shit, she's great. <laughs> like, that's Red, good. Red she's Velvet. really good, yeah. Red Velvet knocked it out of park. And when she hit that uh, moonsault off the top turnbuckle to the floor, you could just see in her face how – pleased she was with herself you know and there's been people nitpicking the selling and it's like you are just missing the point of this match. <laughs> you are just Christ. missing the point of this match this is not brian danielson defending the roh title in 2006 okay remove the fucking stick from your ass and appreciate this for what it was which was a great celebrity match high high energy you know there's plenty of time to pick on red velvet selling we could do that any other time i mean just total nonsense some of these people. It's like, how do they enjoy anything? But, uh, and no one's a more of an elitist prick than I am. Yeah, I was going to say, like, of all people, it's us that are saying, just fucking but there's a time sit back a and enjoy it. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's fucking fuck. Shaquille O'Neal in a fucking wrestling ring doing a bump through a table. Like, let's just, let's, that's it. Like, we're good. Doing a fucking powerbomb. You know what I mean? Like, like a pretty good looking powerbomb, too, by, uh, by, by Shaq. So, yeah, all the credit in the world for Cody going out there uh, and busting his ass to help Shaq. And yeah, Shaq, I, I, Knowing Shaq, I thought we were going to get a lot of low effort from him because yes, he's a guy no, who he puts, was into it. He puts pretty low effort into just about everything, including his inside the yeah. NBA. <laughs> you know, as somebody who's a big NBA fan, uh, yeah. he doesn't know any of the players. He doesn't know any of the teams except for like the big guys. He basically has nothing to add ever. Uh, so I'm thinking, oh man, we're just going to get like really low effort Shaq. But he's out there throwing power bombs, going through tables. Like he was into it, and 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 it makes me wonder because so often we see celebrities bigger large and you know bigger small or whatever in wrestling and a lot of them are like into it and they do stuff but like very few reach this high that Shaq did here so I always wonder and 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 I guess you know I don't know if this is the topic for this day or whatever but I've always wondered because you have like Pat McAfee who obviously is way into it and busted his ass and did all he could but then you have stuff like I hear how much Bad Bunny loves wrestling and all this sort of stuff but all he does is stand backstage like what value do you get out of that I'm going to give him a break, though, because that's the companies. And well, that, and, that, and, that, and that's what I was going to say. Is it Does the celebrity yeah. come up and say, because WWE is very guilty, I think, of, of not using celebrities at all in the right way, which is so weird because this is the company that, you know, built its foundation, you know, the, the first WrestleMania, the rock yeah. and wrestling, you know, using celebrities. But now it's like, hey, Blank is going to be on, you know, Raw, or Blank is going to be on, the, and they just stand there. And it's like, that's not enough. Like, nobody cares that X is standing backstage with somebody else. That doesn't make anybody want to watch the show. That doesn't make the guy that he's standing next to star. But they've just kind of decided that if X celebrity is on the show, that that is like all they need. Like, they had the fucking Bachelorette girl, uh, or Bachelor girl. I forget if she was Bachelorette or yeah, Bachelor. Yeah. And like, I don't even remember her name, but she was just like backstage for like nine weeks. And it's like, what value are you getting out of this? Like, 
What are you doing? Yeah, and here? it's like and, and and Bad Bunny. I mean, he's clearly a fan. He wants to be there. He's into it. He treats it with respect. You could get more out of him. I mean, you absolutely can get more out of him. Yeah, well, because he's just like standing there, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and I always wonder, is it the it's the celebrity that goes, hey, look, I don't want to do anything, just kind of whatever, I'll just stand there or do whatever, or is it the company saying, you know, I just wonder in this Shaq discussion, did he come in and say, you know what, boom, let's 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 kill it, let's go through tables, let's do this sort of shit, or was it maybe those guys saying, hey, you know, you want to you want to do this? You like, I don't know who it, who encourages who who kind of ramps up who gets excited about it i'm just i I, i'm very curious after i saw this match because i'm like man i don't know if shaq's a guy that like will come to the building and say hey i'm excited to do this or if you kind of have to pump him up i don't know i'm very curious but either way he was fucking pumped up and this was one of the better celebrity matches i I, i've ever seen i i mean behind the paywall i called it quite possibly the greatest table bump of all time Am I going too far? No, you're really not. I mean, it's it's that it's table. one of the more iconic ones, and he's a fucking he's 400 pounds and he's seven like legit seven feet tall. So when it's he goes to that table, it blo- yeah. it just explodes. It's exploded. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 that table, those tables were obliterated. And this is a seven foot three, three hundred and eighty pound NBA Hall of Famer going through the table. That's the greatest table bump of all time. I mean, it was just it was incredible. You know, and like you're saying, it's Shaquille O'Neal. He doesn't have to do that shit. He just had to throw them big overhand chops, you know, and and toss the gun club around and call it a day. But no, <laughs> that was awesome. That was, that was they played it. They did this perfect, man. The, the geeks got looked looked like geeks. You know what I mean? He didn't go up and beat up like main roster members. He beat up the gun club, which like, nobody gives a shit about Austin Gun and whatever the the fucking other one's name is. You know what I mean? Like that's fine. That's totally the guys that he should beat. And and I'm gonna give a lot of credit too because that the. It's a very inventive spot. The Cody doing the crossbody over the top rope, and that's how they go through the table. Like that's cool. That, there's a lot of different ways to go through a table. There's safer ways to go through a table, but in a lot of ways, this was like the most safe because because Shaq is in complete control of his body, and Cody's just kind of along for the ride. But they made it look so good and so impactful that that yeah, you think it's like this high risk. Oh my god, I can't believe he did that. But it's actually the easiest way. It's just you know, I'm gonna okay. jump into your arms and you fall back. That's it. <laughs> like you know, it's super super safe. It's still uh, terrifying for a non-wrestler. For a, yeah, for for you know, uh, who I imagine he's. I imagine he woke up a little sore today because I don't think Shaq does much stuff like that, you know, anymore in his regular days. But still, that was yeah, yeah. What are the most? What are the most memorable table spots of all time? Dixie Carter, right? Um, Harley Race and Hulk Hogan, Saturday Night's main event. Um, one of the ones I'd say Terry think? Funk, Terry Funk, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. the power bomb on the uh, or the pile driver on the uh, the table. Uh, obviously, uh, Mick Foley being thrown off the cell through a table. I think. Uh, oh, the Foley one for yeah, sure. That I think yeah. has to count. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is people are giving me a hard time in the chat, but I really think this is going to be go down as one of the most memorable table spots of all time. I mean, that's a short list, and. You know, it's Shaquille O'Neal going through the stable, and it looked great. You know, how many more can you think of that are like, like yeah. at this level? No, this is this is definitely iconic, and it's a big it's a, it's a way to use a celebrity and use that celebrity in a moment that's going to be remembered forever. Like you know, TNT will always have that B roll now of you know they're inside the NBA NBA Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal going through a table on AEW Dynamite. Like that, they have that now forever in the can, and 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 if they're smart, they'll use the fuck out of it all the time. So, 
Um, yeah, I did find it funny though. You were uh, when when people were having ratings discussions. You know, people were like, "Oh, you know, hey, Shaq really helped the numbers," and some people were like, "I think it was actually Tully Blanchard." <laughs> it's like, no, it wasn't. I think they're just. I, I like Tully Blanchard, but come on, I think they're just fucking around. I don't think. Okay, don't... all right. I saw that where they're like, "Well, what about Tully?" <laughs> it's like I think Shaquille O'Neal is a bigger star than Tully Blanchard. No, I think people are being facetious. Okay, I haven't right, seen right. the I, I, I have a tough time. I, I don't. I, I can't. I can't tell anymore. But uh, yeah. That... Well, it's it is hard to tell sometimes. Um, but I, I haven't seen the quarter hours. I don't, you know, I'm assuming because it was over 50s that were the big gain and young males, one has to assume. <laughs> right, it was it. <laughs> was um, it one half of the brain busters, Tully Blanchard, that was moving the needle there. So. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that quickly. I guess we can go through the revolution card and give it the in-depth preview uh, that we didn't do last week because we knew we had this week to do it. Yeah, so they announced for the pre-show uh, Riho and Thunder Rosa teaming up against uh, Britt Baker and Rebel. Uh, so that'll be on the buy-in. You will ask me if I watched it, and uh, we'll see. Maybe, but probably not. So <laughs> we'll I assume some kind of angle or something there. You have Thunder Rosa and Britt on opposite sides. That's what matters. Right, exactly. So, so kind of teasing there. Um, AEW World Tag Team Titles, the Young Bucks uh, versus MJF and Chris Jericho. I, I enjoyed what they did on the uh, the the. the on dynamite i i have not listened to your thursday two review so i don't uh, i don't know exactly your thoughts on it but uh i thought it was okay i think there was they did they worked around the quote-unquote contract signing in a way but but essentially just did it as kind of a promo battle between the two and i thought the bucks got real impassioned about you know their father and stuff which was kind of cool and i thought mjf was really really good and i don't know i'm not like super super into this match because I, I i just i don't know i'm not into these guys right now, this combination of guys right now, but I thought, you know, they did an okay job and I think it'll be a, 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 a good enough match, but it's not, it's not the main event. It's not, you don't really like it, The whole show doesn't hinge on this match. If it's good, it's, it, it, it's, it's a feather in the cap. But if it's, you know, just okay, it, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's not going to make or break the show. No, I, I liked, I liked the go home segment. Um, I thought Matt Jackson's promo was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Real good stuff. Real good fire there. So, and it, uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, it's opening up the show, this match. Oh, are they, okay, that's a good idea. That That's a good way to open the show. The Bucks should always oh. open every show, basically, forever. <laughs> Until they're in, unless they're in, like, a clear main event, they should probably just open the show. Cause that's, Correct. That's exactly. Unless they're in the main event program, they should open every show. You're dead on, you're dead on with that. Uh, Street Fight. I'm looking forward to this one. Street Fight. Team Taz uh, versus Darby Allen and Sting. I love this feud. I know you love this feud. Um, so, Okay. Dave is still saying, Dave Meltzer is still saying that's going to be cinematic. He heard three weeks ago, it's going to be cinematic. Yeah. We've kind of heard or kind of thought or sort of assumed that it's not as cinematic as people say. So it's somewhere between a normal wrestling match and a cinematic match. Is that fair to say? I Listen, I talked to someone too. I know you did. I did too. But don't worry. You're not going to get in trouble because I talked to the same person you did after I talked to the other person. Um, the word on the street is that this may not be as cinematic as people are thinking. Is that the fair way to put it? Yeah, that's what I said. Somewhere between a normal wrestling match and a cinematic match. But wherever, whatever you want to classify that in between as, that's what it's going to be. And that's kind of but what you're saying, also, too. So. Yeah, but these are also the opinions of the people who are telling us this. We may have a different definition of not cinematic. You see what I'm saying with that? So I'm not trying to hedge, but I'm saying... Uh, we're, and even Dave kind of backpedaled a little because he said he heard three weeks ago it was cinematic, but ne- then he like started to talk and then stopped talking. So I don't know. Th- th- here's the bottom line with this. It may not be 
a cinematic match in the way that people are thinking. Right. The way so I'm thinking, and I think the way that you oh, define it as well is, yeah, you're backstage. You got like the film cameras. You got Darby and Sting walking in a you know, hallway, and you got the dun, 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 you know music yeah, in the yeah. background, or you know like this dumb shit that all these other companies do. You're on a set, right? I, yeah. It's pro- it might just be that they have a street fight in the streets of Daly's place, and there's a bunch of cameras and some stuff. You know what I mean? Like it could be like that, you, you know, where it's not a live to tape, but it's a little bit of a taped segment that integrates I, with I, a, I, a, a live segment. Who knows? Yeah, something like that. Like a, like a taped street fight, like the street fights they've already done, like the parking lot brawl or some of the other tactics. Right, yeah, like what do you classify the parking lot brawl as? I don't know that I would call that a cinematic match in the same sense that I would call the 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 fucking stadium stampede or whatever. <sighs> I guess it's close. I guess they are pretty close. I don't know. It's kind of that in-between gray area. Yeah, there AEW has AEW has not done other than the fucking dentist match, whatever the fuck that shit was. Oh, I was so bad. That was, <laughs> that was the one with the dun 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 dun. Ah, well, you know, people and, screaming like that's garbage. That's trash. Well, that was cinematic. Stampede. Stadium Stampede was cinematic too, but people like that. I'm the only one in the world who didn't, but there were, but everyone else seemed to that fucking horse. I cannot believe <laughs> he rode into a match on a horse. It makes me sick to my stomach. Like I can't believe that's the part. I, I was more than Matt Hardy got electrocuted and then emerged from the uh, the, the the pool as a different character. That got me a little bit more than well, Matt the Hardy horse. You're very upset about the horse. <laughs> Matt Hardy getting dipped into the water and emerging as a different character each time. That was equally dumb. But the horse really bugs me. It really, really bothered me. Um, but I mean, so it's not a, a like beneath them to do a cinematic match. So I, I don't know. This one, though, we're just we're hearing that it may not be what people are thinking. I think the last two weeks of TV have been to establish that Sting can still move. Yeah. And right. 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 He's looked great. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? The good thing about this team is that you have Darby Allen, the best guy at taking bumps in the fucking universe. And then you have Sting, who is a little bit of advanced age, but has proved that he can take some bumps. But that's fine. You let Sting do the offense and Darby take the bumps. Like, it's, it's a perfectly – it's a perfect team. And then Sting can take some high-impact stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he, he took the Brian Cage powerbomb. He can take a little things here and there. But for the most part, Darby just needs to do kind of the, the heavy lifting on bumping. And, and Sting can go. He can. It's not like he's a decrepit old man that can't take any bumps or do anything. We, we, I wasn't, we've clearly I wasn't established sure. that. I wasn't sure, but he, he's proven that he's not Right. the last three weeks. I mean, when he went wild, when he whooped Ricky Stark's ass last night. <laughs> that was, how I, Stark, Okay, I know that everybody, it's like people laugh at you for because you put over Ricky Starks for all this sort of stuff. But, yeah. like, the best part, he's such a fucking worker. He just gets it. He gets in the ring. Sting starts hitting him. Those loafers go flying in the air. Just yeah. classic pro wrestling Shit yeah. is where you wear those loafers, and as you're taking the beating, the loafers go flying outside the ring to sell the beating. He's just – he's classic pro wrestling. I fucking love it. Who in that company would you rather have in there with Sting to fly around and bump for him? Yeah, exactly. I mean – Right. You know, he's just – and you know he was loving life putting over Sting like that on live TV on TNT. I mean, that you know. Um, but, yeah, I think that – uh you know, Sting showed that, especially if you're going to protect him, that he can come across, uh, you know, like a physical threat and take bumps. And I mean, he's looked great the last three weeks doing that stuff. So I'm way more confident in his abilities to get through a match now and then than I was when they hired him. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this and I'm curious about it. It involves a bunch of people I like. Rich, if this was just a straight tag. It's even the perfect formula for Sting because Darby is the perfect baby face in peril to get beat up for 12 minutes. 
And then you, you, hot, you hot tag Sting and he just cleans house. Right, right. You don't even have to bump. And then you do whatever finish you're going to do. You know? So, yeah, I'm confident that they can make this work. Way more confident than when they announced it. Absolutely. Uh, AW Women's World Championship, Hikaru Shida, the champion, uh, defending against the Eliminator tournament winner, Ryo Mizunami, who I thought uh, looked really good on Dynamite. Um, I'm very happy that she won this and not Nyla Rose. Even though Shida and Nyla had a good match, you know, what the last year or, uh, fuck, two years ago at this point, uh, whatever it was. Uh, that they had their match. But I'm excited about Shida and, and, and Mizunami. I thought Mizunami, to me, was one of the standouts of the Eliminator Tournament. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about this match. I think this has a chance to be pretty damn good. I'm just glad all the fucking idols and their skirts lost. <laughs> you got out. a badass. Yeah, you got Mizunami. She, she could, she'll she have a little bit of fun, but she's also a badass, too. So it, 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 Fucking Riho and <laughs> the magic girl. The magic girl. Oh my God! Can somebody shove the magic girl? You're talking about Yuka Sakazaki, right? Are you calling her the magic girl? Can someone shove her back into the lamp and just leave her there? Don't rub the lamp because she's like a genie, right? Shove her back into the lamp. Never rub the lamp again, so I never have to watch that person wrestle again. That's her nickname, the magic girl. You didn't know that, Rich? (laughs) I didn't. She's the magical girl. The magical girl. It's awful. Those awful noises that she makes, like all those idol girls made that noise, that high pitched squeal that they all make. Rich, I can't take it. I'm so giving up on this. I just, you no, know, you're not converting. Stop trying to convert me. I watch this stuff and it's like, I never want to watch it again. I'm glad all the idols lost. We're going to have to deal with Maki Ito again. You know, they're bringing her. Yeah, they, they, they love her. Yeah, that's. The thing with Maki Ito is she fucking stinks. On top, I'm just shooting now. The, the, <laughs> you just go that, go off, King. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not, I'm not holding back anymore. The, the thing about Maki Ito is number one, if her gimmick wasn't explained to me by everyone, I wouldn't know what her gimmick is. And I've watched her three times now. It didn't come across at all. So how good is she at this gimmick if it never comes across? Rich on the on the Bleacher Report special, they opened it up with her singing for five minutes. How how did how does that show that she's like an anti idol? Because she throws a middle finger now and then. So her character work, from what I've seen, is lazy as fuck. And, and she doesn't get it over. Okay? I would have no idea what her gimmick is if people didn't explain it to me. And then she wrestles and she stinks. What is the appeal of this person? She is no different than all of these United States indie wrestlers who are Twitter gimmicks. She's fucking Dan the yeah, Dad. Yeah, she's very good at Twitter. She's very good at Twitter, she, I think. It's, she's, it's... she's the ally cat. She's Dan the Dad. She's Dan Housen. That's what she is. I do not see the appeal. I shouldn't say that. I see the appeal. She'd work, she'd fit right in on a BLP show. You can stick her right on a BLP show against fucking Warhorse. That's what she is. <laughs> I mean, what? God, I've never. She's so overhyped. But there's people. Well, now listen, I understand there's people who are into that. And do I think the AEW fans would be into that? I absolutely do. Orange Cassidy's over. There's no reason she couldn't get over. It's not going to be for me, though. I mean, John Silver's getting over. He annoys me. So I understand it's along those lines. So we're gonna have to deal with her again. And obviously Riho's going nowhere. Um, yeah, Rio's fine. I just I don't take her as a physical threat, and I never will take her as a physical threat. Um, you know, the magic girl though, she can get stuffed right back in that lamp. I've had enough of her. I can't <laughs> See, I can't take it. You gotta did you I, ever watch the match last year, the one that I, I put over? Uh the, the one from the it was the the, the Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh forget the 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 show, but I, I we we talked about it on the flagship a little bit. That was a pretty damn good match. I enjoyed that one, but I I don't know. I, I won't I won't I won't offer. But uh, I'm gonna try to watch this. I'm gonna watch some of the stardom stuff from uh, from this past week, uh, the show. But I I, I I do not believe you will. So I'll I'll report back and we'll see if uh, if anything uh, landed with me. But 
All right, uh, big money match here. I uh, not too into the gimmick, not too into this entire thing going on right now with Matt Hardy. But uh, curious on your thoughts: Matt Hardy versus Hangman Page. I believe the the official stance or the official uh, gimmick here. Let me read it exactly as it is listed, just to make sure we clarify the big money match. The winner receives the loser's 2021 first quarter earnings. Got that in the big money match between Hangman Page and Matt Hardy. Yeah, this is a better alternative to magical broken Matt Hardy. Can like, we just have no Matt Hardy? Is that possible? I would love that. Rich. Yeah. Okay. Would, if we could just do that, I, I I'm into that. that. Yeah. Yeah. He can. Uh, him and the magical girl can just <laughs> ride off into the fucking sunset together. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And and Hangman, I really am not interested in this Dark Order storyline at all. John Silver is very off-putting to me. This whole deal where they're just like a bunch of wide-eyed teenagers trying to get Hangman Page to like them. Yeah, it's really, yeah, um, it's, it, it, they come across as dorks, and I, I don't want any of my wrestlers to ever come across as dorks. Can I just get the Road Warriors, like, beating people up? Do we I have mean, to have... Yeah, I, I, like, I like Team Taz. I like a bunch of dudes coming and fucking game yes. beat this old guy, this old asshole, because they think he sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. Yeah. That's better. I like Brian Cage and Hook, and Ricky Starks coming out and stomping on a six-year-old because they think he's garbage. Like, that, Steel I like bullies. a lot more, yeah. Heel bullies, and then eventually they get their come up. That's all I want. I mean, you know, this, I just, look, I get it. The AEW audience eats this stuff up. I get it. John Silver is over. All I'm saying is, it is not for me. So, um, not super into this match, no. Yeah, it's kind of, I I know that they're trying to kind of find an in-between period for Hangman or find out something for him to do, but they need to be careful that he doesn't come across too much of, like, he needs to still be a star, and, and this stuff. I don't know. It's it's walking a line. It is. It's getting close. It's getting close. Hopefully, he just beats Matt Hardy in a, in, in in a few minutes, gets it done with, kicks him to the side, and then maybe moves on to, to something else, whatever that next uh, thing is. But yeah, the the more you're with you know Matt Hardy and exchanging envelopes and contracts and all that sort of stuff, it's 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 yeah. I but want the, Hangman Page in a blood feud with somebody. Right. I mean, that's yeah, what I, I want to see. I want to see Hangman Page. Um, getting his mojo back and working towards the world title, and and I want to see ha- Hangman Page wrestling for titles and stakes and fucking and trying to get to the pay window you know i i don't i don't like this comedy troupe standing around the corner like a bunch of puppy it just it does nothing for me i'm just not into it uh face of the revolution ladder matches for a future tnt uh title match uh cody rhodes scorpio sky penta lance archer max caster and TBA. This is a very strange combination of, of names. This is one of those classic, like, in 10 years, we're going to laugh at when we go back in this roster. And it's fucking Pentagon Jr., Max Caster, and Lance Archer in a ladder match. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be ridiculous. And Cody Rhodes. It's just wild. And, and we still have a TBA. A very dangerous TBA. This is not the same TBA uh, as the one that uh, Paul White. We'll talk about that in a bit. The, uh, the rumored Hall of Fame caliber signing. This is a different TBA, but, but a new uh, debut uh, in AEW. So, um... I don't know. Do you have any wild speculation about this person? Ethan Page. You think it's a lock to be Ethan Page? Can I sell you on it? <sighs> Go ahead. Try. Reignite the Darby feud when he wins the match and becomes the next challenger. Okay. That's eh, it's the best thing that they did with Ethan. Or the best thing that Ethan's ever done. So I'm into that. Okay. All right. After that, think- though, after that, what do we do? <laughs> Honestly, no. I, I, and I, all joking aside... I think that Ethan Page is solid. You just need – I think he needs to get reeled in or needs to get, like, kind of knocked down a peg type stuff. And I what mean that in the, the best way. Thing he ever, what's the greatest thing he ever did? 
throwing Darby Allen against a fucking barricade or throwing him against the <laughs> ring, uh, whatever that, uh, the pole, the, throwing Darby under the pole and, and beating the fuck the out of him. Feud. Yeah, yeah. The Darby feud is the best thing he's ever done. I don't know if Tony Khan would go down the road of continuing a feud that happened in Evolve. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think I do know the answer, and I think he's all in. <laughs> he's, a, he's a dork, like in a good way, in the best way possible. Yeah, I, I hear up, you. I, think. I hear you. I'm sure he's aware of that feud. I'm sure he's aware that it was great. Uh, maybe as a wink and a nod. Um, I could totally see Ethan Page, like an Excalibur screaming, these men have a history, but not really telling you what the history is. Just giving you the benefit of the doubt that you know, and if you don't know, well, he's telling you that they have. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing AEW does. They're not going to hammer you over the head with it. If you know, you know. If you don't, they're going to just, you know, casually let you know. I don't know. It's just an idea. Yeah. Because I've seen the thing kicked around. The other name I saw, which I like a little bit more, is Mance. Uh, Mance Warner coming in here. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of indie bookings lately. Um, We know it's someone that they've at least kicked the tires on. So I could see that. Um, would the 1,100, 1,200 people in Daly's place respond to him? It's a tough one. No, I'm not I don't sure. think they. I don't think they. They wouldn't respond to Ethan or him. Yeah, they're. I that that's one of the issues is 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 revealing them as TBAs. I think is a tough because there's going to be a segment of fans that now think that this TBA is going to be the Paul White TB. You know, the the Paul White signing, which again they've tried they've tried to establish that it's not the same person. That they're two different people, yeah. but I'm sure there's someone that's going to roll up to Daly's place and think, "Oh, the secret guy is going to," and they're going to think, "Oh, it's this guy, it's Ethan." Like, there's a a, a very small segment of fans that are going to know who either Mance or Ethan Page are. So I think I think you do the Paul White reveal before the match. you would have to. Yeah, that would be the that's what I would do if they're smart. Is I would say, "Okay, here's X," and we'll talk about that in a bit. And then so you don't have the expectations that this TBA is going to be anything but just another guy to add to the roster, which is, is you know, no, no slight on Ethan Pager or Mance Warner, but that's what they are. They're just becoming, you know, mid-card guys. They're just, you know, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, either one of those I, I think are fine. Both guys, good talkers, you know, d- decent, you know, charisma. So they would fit in this company. It's a, it's a talking promotion for sure. So. Uh, I'd prefer Mance over over Ethan Page, but I do like people think that we're like straight Ethan Page haters. I'm an Ethan Page hater when he has all creative liberties, but I I think if he's willing to kind of listen and 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 let somebody kind of help him out or craft you know some of his stuff, I think he he could be an asset for sure. So, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about it a million times. Um, he can't be left to his own devices and if used properly, he can be a real asset, but I would keep him at arm's length with that said, but, um, you know, you know, we'll see. Um, it's also a scenario where the mystery guy kind of has to win, right? Yeah. Sort of. You can't be like, Oh, his debuting guy. And then Lance Archer just, you know, like power bombs him and then climbs up the ladder and gets the title. You're like, Oh, all right, well, never mind. So, yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, fucking God. Miro <laughs> Kip Sabian. Yeah, but did you hear Miro cut a promo on us? On Dynamite? I did, I did. He said, no more joking around, no more bullshit. All right. I, hey, you know what? Miro, fucking uh, prove it, pal. Like, let's go. That promo was cut on me and you. Yeah. I'm convinced. Maybe I have an inflated sense of uh, importance, but. Well, you, what like, would probably happen if is. If you are uh, tired of watching me play games, then I'm not playing games anymore. Yeah, and well, I'm probably like, with TK, I bet TK was in the room and said, like, yeah, some people are saying you play too many games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the motivation of, okay, what's my motivation for this promo? Like, oh, people think that you only play games or whatever. So maybe not directly at us. I would like to think it's directly at us, but at least influenced a little bit by uh, by our criticisms of. Us in quotes as we represent the people who think he's a dork. Yes, exactly. Basically. You know? So I'm all we for led it. the charge. I would say we led the charge when everybody else was saying, "Oh, he's just having fun." Oh, the I'll Mickey Mouse care. thing is worth six thousand dollars, and I don't fucking care. He looks like a dork that's wearing pajamas playing video games, and I'm a dork who wears pajamas and plays video games, but I'm not on fucking national television. <laughs> so, like, you know, because we said it when it wasn't popular, yes, and we were the only people saying it, and then everybody came around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were still there's still some foot draggers, I guess. But we, everyone came around and, and, and saw that we were right eventually on this. And we were brave enough to say it when it wasn't popular. So, um, look, I'm all for it. If this is going to be it now and he's just going to – look, who better than these dopey best friends to get in there and just just destroy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oswald's I hope he's just – Yeah, just fucking throw him off the – throw him into the crowd, do whatever you got to do, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know – I'm hoping that's the that's the case, and he just buzzsaws these dorks 
And, um, you know, they could beat up on Kip all they want. <laughs> but, you know, you tag in here and then Miro just, you know, he means and it just his coming out party. I would like to see him. This will never happen. I want to see him stack up Chucky and Orange Cassidy on top of one another and then do the camel clutch accolade. Yes, down. yeah, classic, Ooh. classic move there. That'd be great. And, and then keep wrenching it after the bell rings and everybody's got to run down and try to peel them off, you know? Yeah, even even Trent. Kip, even Kip's trying to peel him off, and you can't get it rid of him. You can't. Yeah, Kip's like this is too far, Miro. You know, and maybe have Trent in the crowd, all slinged up with his injury, like you know, oh man, you know, and uh, you know, really fucking destroy these guys and humiliate them. You know, I, I really don't like best friends if you, if you can't. Tell <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm picking up what you're what you're laying down there. I'm so a fan of the best friends, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's hopefully this is it for the uh, goofy Miro. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Uh, Casino Tag Team Royal uh, Royale here, future uh, AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Can, all these teams? Can I go get a cup of coffee here while you? Yeah, it's gonna be teams? a while. So if you if you want to do whatever you gotta you do. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, when when have you ever had coffee? Have you ever have you ever actually drank any amount of coffee ever in your life? It's an expression, Rich. I'm it's just a, wondering. No, a- now I'm actually generally curious if you have. I have never tasted coffee. Not one. No. So you, have you even, like, by mistake had it? Like, TLB's brought it, and you said, hey, let me try that? I had it by mistake a couple times, like, in a milkshake or something, like a gimmicky kind of thing. Okay, was, okay. It was coffee-flavored, and I immediately spit wow, it out. Wow, so it's the coffee fl- – you, you can't even consume the coffee flavor of something. I find the scent of coffee repulsive, <laughs> which is why I've never tasted it. Interesting. All right, well. It's that, that coffee smell that everybody loves. I, I it's like it, yeah. I'm, I adore it. <laughs> I'd rather sit in a room and smell my own farts. It's just a repulsive scent to me. Wow. All right. I don't know why. Sometimes you have a scent and it's like, you know how some people love the smell of gas? Like gasoline gas. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually like the smell a lot. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the smell of gasoline too, but then there's some people who it's like it makes them choke. Like they're just like, oh, I can't yeah, take that, it. That's me and tuna. I can't even be in the same room. And like I, not I, yeah. any other fish. Like I eat fish all the time. I eat salmon all the time. I eat shrimp all the time. Like that's no problem. But tuna. Like that, you crack open a can of tuna, and I want to die. You know what I mean? I want to just completely yeah. just want to rip my nose off. It's the most disgusting thing, and I start gagging immediately. And I have to be in the. I can't be in the same room. I can't even be in the same house. I have to like go outside when someone opens a can of fucking chicken of the sea tuna or whatever. So, no, I get it. I mean, you know, uh, TLB brews coffee in here, and I'm just like, I gotta go in the furthest room. I can't. Wow. I only- Interesting. And I and she needs to like I can't I don't like it on her breath after she drinks it. It's just <laughs> ugh, I can't. Um, it just doesn't to me. Like the other thing is mayonnaise. I cannot even if I smell mayonnaise, I I start to I I I could puke. If you stuck a jar of mayonnaise under my nose and forced me to just smell it for like thirty, I would I, I think I would vomit. I hate it that much. That's fair. I I so I don't hate mayonnaise as much as you, but I also find it repulsive too. Like the smell of it is disgusting. Like you have to, I have to be able to put it on something, and then like it, it, it accentuates the flavor of whatever I have. Right. But I can't. Like if you just opened a jar and, and told me to stick my nose in there and, and and take a big whiff, like I'd probably throw up too. So. Yeah, yeah, just it's it's not good. But yeah, but for that reason, I've never tasted coffee because the I hate the smell so much. Well, that'll that that'll, that'll do it. That'll definitely do it. So you were not going to get a coffee I, while I described the uh, casino tag team royale. So. I bought this ice cream once. I forget what it was called, but it was very deceptive. The name of it, and I it was coffee flavor. It turned out it was coffee. Was it Jamoka? Was it Jamoka coffee? The the no, nah, it was called like Double Dunk or something. And I thought it just meant like I don't know what I thought it meant. I thought it was like some kind of chocolate thing. And um, I remember like taste put taking a spoonful of it and then just spitting it all over my kitchen <laughs> counter. 
was like, this is vile. I can't believe this is disgusting. I love coffee ice cream, man. Coffee ice cream is the best, yeah. No, I know. I, I Listen, I'm no, I'm out on an island here. Most people love the smell. Even people who don't drink coffee like the smell of coffee. But I just, I don't I'm, know. I, just, you, would, you would hate me even more. I'm a straight black coffee guy, too. I don't put anything in that thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't even know what that means because I don't even know. You know <laughs> no like, sugar, no, no, no milk, no, yeah. no half and half, just straight, straight black. Yeah, so there you go. Right. TLB, I'm imagining, is not a a black coffee drinker. No, yeah, most of the uh, most of the ladies. No, when the, co- when the when 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 the, when the coffee creamer runs out, it's like a state of emergency, <laughs> right? She can't even bear. So she okay, and that's the thing too. Not to not to besmirch her, she doesn't really yeah. like coffee. She likes fucking. You know, Snickers flavored, you know, coffee creamer right. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's always a gimmick flavor. Right, like she a... doesn't like the coffee. She likes the fucking. She likes thinking that she's drinking a a, a cup full of Snickers or a cup full of whatever. You know, the holidays. I'm sure your 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 fridge is half fucking peppermint coffee creamers, but it's always a Chikara coffee creamer <laughs> flavor. It's never just like coffee creamer. No, it's almond it's like... joy and Snickers yes. and Thin Mints and <laughs> peppermint and. It'll be like a Saturday morning, and she gets up at the crack of dawn at like 9 a.m. or whatever, and she's like making coffee. <laughs> is the crack of dawn 9 a.m.? I don't think that's the case. I believe the crack I of mean, dawn is much earlier than 9 a.m., but. I mean, to me it is. To you it is, but okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> the crack of dawn 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And I'll hear it down there like, ah, oh, no coffee. She doesn't even care. What, like, in her fucking pajamas. Oh, she's out. She's running out. In the car. Yeah, she's in the car. I'm like, how do you go in public like that? She's like, I had no coffee creamer. I'm like, relax. <laughs> I'm like, relax. Like, she'll either go you get You probably have enough or... milk in the house. Like, if she really needed to, she could drop some milk in there. But, yeah, it's not the same. So. Yeah. Or she's, like, going to Starbucks and spending 480 on a cup instead of, you know, like, like it can't be – the need can't be this serious. But I guess it is. I mean, listen, when I don't have Coke Z's, I turn into a monster. Like, I start getting the caffeine headache. Oh, I get the caffeine headache within, caffeine. like, an hour of the morning. Like, if I wake up at – so I wake up my at my actual crack of dawn around 5 or 6 a.m. If by, like, 7 or 8 I haven't had coffee, like, immediate migraine that I need. It's it's terrible. I'm so addicted to it. But you know what? I'm not addicted to anything else, so fuck it. I'll, I'll take uh, – I'm addicted to watching wrestling and coffee. So I guess there's there's worse things to be addicted to, so. I've got two Coke Z's left in the fridge, and, and I'm doing the grocery order tomorrow. I'm going to ration these – like we're in a famine, and these are the last two cans of Coke Z on Earth. <laughs> like you don't know this because I have to make these work until the groceries arrive tomorrow, which is not going to be easy. So, um, and, and I turn into an absolute monster if I don't have it. So, uh, so I can kind of understand like the panic that sets in mm-hmm. if you're a coffee drinker and you don't have the necessary fucking ingredients. So, anyway. Bear Country, Bear Boulder, Bear Bronson, The Dark Order, The Dark Order again. Uh, the first one's Alex Reynolds and Jen Silver. The other one is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. The Inner Circle, Santana and Ortiz. The Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, Top Flight, Pac and Ray Phoenix, The Death Triangle, The Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr., The Seidel Brothers, Matt Seidel and <laughs> Mike Seidel, SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, The Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rose and QT Marshall, The Chaos Project of Luther and Serpentico, and The Gun Club, Austin Gunn and Colton Clunn. Uh, also a TBA, sorry, there's also a TBA here too, because there's just not enough tag teams, we need one more in this match. The, the 13 that we listed is not enough, we need one more TBA, so apparently there's another uh, team in here as well. So I counted them up and they have well over 20 and almost 30 established tag teams. <laughs> That's insane. 
I like it though. I, think I do it's too. Cool. Yeah, tag team wrestling rules. Like you should. I've always had the mindset that if I was if I was booking a territory, that all my singles wrestlers would also have like a backup tag team that they could be in. Yeah. Type stuff. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Not just throwing guys together like they right, right, right. Kind of like you know, basically my booking style is just essentially all Japan in the early nineties. It's like yes. you know when th- when Kenny Omega's main eventing, he's in main events as a singles guy. But when I want somebody else, then he goes and he teams with the guy that he always teams with. So you know, yeah. who, whoever that be, insert whoever that is. But yeah, that right. so yeah, essentially just fucking nineteen ninety two all Japan pro wrestling is, is how I book. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's great. They have like twelve established trios teams in this company too. I mean, you go go real deep, like with the Gun Club. Yeah, right. Team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and the, the worst part is people are like, they should make a trios tag team team. I'm like, no, just have trios matches. You don't have to have a tag team. Just yeah, like that's coming though. You I know, know I know it's coming. But sometimes you can just have six guys get in the ring, the bell rings, and they fight each other. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a title. Like, they're, they're... well, they're gonna do it on the boat. And then um, Cody, even on the call, said that pretty much confirmed that yeah. those titles. Yeah. Well, a tournament. He said a trios tournament is coming. Which, what are the stakes gonna be? Obviously, there's got to be a championship. Well, I'm, I'm fine with a giant novelty check and a trophy. That works too. So I don't mind trios titles if they if they make them like a prelim level thing. Like you see them defended on dark. You see them defended. Sure. In the right. 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 You know what I mean? I don't have a problem with that because they don't have a ton of titles in that company. You know, they really don't. Um, you know what? They got the two singles titles and then the women's title. Yeah, you got world and- title, TNT, uh, women, and then the tag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's room for another title. You know, the women's tag team deal with the medals. I think that's cool and different. The only thing I don't like about that is the battle bowl style of picking the teams when they do the tournament. That's kind of corny. Just have established women's teams in that tournament every year. And then the winners get to brag and have the fucking medal. You know, Ivelisse and uh, Diamante. You know, um, I, I don't like that it's like randomized. But other than that, I think that's a cool twist on having a goal for the women's tag teams, but not having it dilute your title picture. So I wouldn't mind another set of titles, whether it's trios or something else. Uh, and then our main event, uh, which I'm very curious how this works out. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this match goes. Uh, the exploding barbed wire death match, AEW world title, uh, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. I think there's, I'm worried about this match in a little bit. And the reason I'm worried is I'm, I'm, I'm pessimistic by nature. And the an exploding barbed wire death match is hard to do. It's hard to make it look good. It's hard to make it look natural. It's hard not to come across dorky. Some guys can nail it. Some matches, some of these exploding barbed wire matches are really, really good and really, really fun. But a lot of them are novelties. A lot of them cover up guys that aren't, you know, great bell-to-bell wrestlers or guys that really don't have, you know. I'm a little worried of, of, of how, what are these guys going to do in between? Are they going to have, like, a good wrestling match and then a, suddenly stuff's going to explode? Is it going to be a match that's all just about the explosions and all about kind of building up to those explosions? It, it's very weird and very, and I don't know. Like, I'm going in with, with, I guess, I don't know. I'm going in pessimistic because I think a lot of the, 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 the to me, there's more ability for this to be a, bad match than a good match but they're two tremendous pro wrestlers so and it's Kenny fucking Omega like I and it's AEW who I think you know has nailed most of their main events so I I guess I should think positively in that sense but this gimmick is just really hard to do well so I I, I'm very 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 curious how this gets pulled off I'm confident I'm willing to be confident and set myself up to be disappointed because I think if it's a disappointment it could it's going to be one of those like funny like it's just going to be such a train wreck. Like if the if the explosions aren't impressive or something, that'll be fun to shit on. So I think either way, the, we're going to be winners here. 
Well, there'll be something to talk about for sure. Yeah, we will have yeah. a discussion. Either that was the best exploding barbed wire deathmatch ever, or what the hell were those guys doing as like you know four little sh- you know fireworks go off in the background when they do this? Or I like, dude, I don't know. Are they doing the fucking Onita where the whole fucking building explodes? I don't know. It, it it's yeah, the, the, yeah. The, are the, we getting the countdown clock? Like, are we? I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of ways this can go, and it could, like you said, it could come across real dorky, and then at least it'll be fun to, I guess. Talk about that aspect of it. Yeah, then, so. you could, then we could just riff on it for 45 minutes on the post on the show that we do. You know, we could just fucking destroy, we just bury the thing and it could become a meme. So I don't think, like, there's no, like, the, what this isn't going to be is just mediocre. No, no, yeah. It's either going to be fucking awesome or, or, or absolutely ridiculous. So, um, yeah, or both. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe both. Yeah, it, it is kind of funny, though. People, uh, I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, well, you know, the Exploding Barbed Wire matches, uh, those matches are always good. And I'm like, you, you really need to go watch some no, of these matches. No, They're really no. not. Like, you saw no. a gif of Onita, you know, going into the, the ropes and the whole fucking building exploding and thought, whoa, that's awesome. But, like, really sit down and watch that 20 minute match. It's not that good. It's pretty terrible, actually. So. Yeah, there's a lot of there's been a lot where the explosives didn't work properly, and yeah, it's yeah a few landed, a few are good, and they make for great yeah. gifts and great moments. But yeah, bell to bell, the whole package not always not always great, and and a lot of people, I mean, ECW tried it. I think I forget what the what was the match that ECW had that was just like. I don't think they did an exploding barbed wire match. Oh, who am I thinking um, of? Maybe XPW or one of those shitty. Uh... Who did an exploding? Somebody did an exploding barbed wire in America, and it was really, really fucking terrible. Um, I'm sure someone has tried it. CZW or something. yeah, it was one. Of, maybe it was one of those that I'm thinking of. Maybe one of those. I've ones. never followed CZW because I just think it's sleazy, yeah. Maybe so maybe it was a, a CZW that that I'm thinking yeah. of here, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, people think of Jack and Terry Funk and stuff, and that's cool. And Onita and Hayabusa and that, that you know that stuff's cool, but yeah, it's not always you know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, 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 you've made me excited now. And now that you've sold it that, hey, you know, even if it sucks, it'll be fun. Sucks. So I guess I'm into that. Okay. You've won me over. I mean, because it'll be an absolute train wreck if it's bad. Right, and right, it'll right. Be fun to pick on. That'll be a fun Twitter experience if it's, if it's really shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think you could really go wrong with this thing. But the, um, the best is that Kenny's just such a fucking maniac that you know that he was just like, oh, we're going to do an exploding barbed wire. And they're probably like, why, Kenny? <laughs> like, do we really have to do that? He's like, yeah, we got to do it. We're going to do it. It's just like, all right. It was his idea. <laughs> like, let's fucking do it. All right, fine. Like, it was his idea. Right. And, then, uh, and like, nobody and had then, a choice either. There wasn't any talk. He's like, we're going to do that match. And they're like, ah, let's think about it. He's like, no, we're going to do it. And they're like, all right. <laughs> like, you know. Well, Khan, Khan said he had it. He pitched it a long time ago and he had it in his back pocket. And Khan thought this was the right time to do it. And then he pitched it to Moxley, and Moxley was like, hell yeah, man. Yeah, oh, you that. know Moxley, yeah. Took a fucking drag of his cigarette and said, fuck yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Took a swig of his Jack Daniels straight from the bottle and went, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, and then went and watched a bunch of tapes. And, right, right, right. You know, and, and yeah, so I think that there, the effort will obviously be Right, there. Uh, if there are going to be two guys that I think are going to – because Kenny Omega is just determined to be good at everything that he does and every type of match and every type of style or whatever – so th- we got that. There's no doubt in my mind that Kenny's going to go out there and bust his ass and try to do it. And you got fucking John. I mean, th- when you talk about like anybody, I mean, with AEW, with the resources that they have, with the abilities that they have, plus these two guys, yeah, y- these are. If, if it's going to work and it's going to be awesome, it's these two guys in this company at this moment for sure. No fans that you really yeah. have to worry about all that much. I mean, obviously a little bit, but you know, it's not enough. Uh, you don't have to. You know, it'd be a little tough to do an exploding barbed wire death match and like you know 
Wintrust Arena in Chicago, Illinois. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they might say, uh, what are you doing in our arena? Like, I don't think you could do that. Whereas this is their own place. So they can have a little bit of fun. They can get a little wild with the stuff and, and, and not really worry about, like, you know, liabilities and whatnot. No, I agree. Khan also noted that um, this is the blow off for the feud for the foreseeable future. Like, these guys have been kind of connected at the hip, even when they're not necessarily directly feuding with yeah, each oh, other. Yeah, back from the formation of the company, double or nothing. 2019, yeah. Yeah, and they always go back to it, but he said this is it. This is the feud ender. Um, they're going to be kept apart. So they've got a big blow-off plan for this. So, I mean, if Moxley loses, he's going to be out of the title picture for a while. So everyone's kind of focused on the stipulation and what it's going to be like, which is fine because we're all curious, but it's also a pretty important match in terms of the direction of the top title in the company. I think it's too soon for Omega to lose. I don't think he should lose. So I think he's going to win. And then it's a matter of, well, where do we go from here with Moxley? Because if Khan says this is ending the feud, doesn't make any sense for Moxley to win. What's Omega just going to say? Oh, well, I had a good run with the title. I'm going to, uh, you know, go do something. No, I mean, it, it tells me that Omega's probably winning the match. And he should win. I don't think he should lose the title yet. All right, so that is uh, that's AEW Revolution. Uh, we we also talk about the mystery man. Yeah, I was gonna say one last thing though here uh, the uh, the oh. mystery Hall of Fame caliber signing that Paul White teased on uh, on on Dynamite. I mean this they've set themselves up. Khan, you know, doubles down on it on his interview today. Like this can't be this can't be Mance Warner. You know what I mean? He can't say it's Mance Warner and like good old Mance comes down there and you know shakes Paul White's hand or whatever. It can't be that. It's got to be somebody bigger than that. They've set it up too much. If it is, that's a disaster and I don't think that they I, they're smart enough to know that it needs to be somebody with some sort of name value. But they they got to walk a fine line here. I I think one of the names I've seen bandied about that I absolutely hate is Kurt Angle. I would roll my eyes very strong at Kurt Angle. I don't think he offers you much in 2021. I, he can't walk. I don't know that he, whatever. I don't think you get enough value out of a Kurt Angle, and it, it it adds the perception that you're just clinging on to old WWE guys. Yeah, with Kurt Angle. So I that would be my absolute worst case scenario. Other than like the worst case scenario, uh, aside from like it's Ethan Page. You know what I mean? It's like you know well, all ego Ethan Page comes out. Like yeah, aside from those like of like kind of star guys that they can bring in, guys that they think are a big deal. Uh, Kurt Angle to me is probably the worst one that I can think of. Paul, when Paul White put it over on TV and said Hall of Fame caliber. And didn't really specify that it was a wrestler. I'm thinking, okay, well, they're trying to get this new dark show off the ground. Maybe it's someone like Mike Tanay, right? Because he could be his broadcast partner on the show. I think the AEW audience would be excited about that. But then when Tony Khan went on the podcast and said it's a major, major star in pro wrestling and all this. <laughs> right. It can't that, be Mike Tanay anymore. <laughs> like... It can't be Mike Tanay. It can't be Joey Styles. It can't be anyone along those it's, it's got to be a wrestler, right? So, because Khan really oversold it. But now they have to deliver. And I think the way that Paul White sold it, you could have gotten away with kind of a lesser name. Now you can't. Um, so I, I, I really don't... CM Punk says it's not him. He did a Q&A on Twitter on purpose, obviously, to say that it wasn't him. Um, and I don't get the sense he's trying to swerve people. He said, I'm doing a Q&A, and by the way, I'm not the guy. Because he doesn't want questions about being the guy. And I think he's the kind of guy who's like, well, I don't want them selling pay-per-views thinking that 
they're people with people thinking they're going to get me. So I'm going to nip this in the bud and just tell people that I'm not the guy. You know what I mean? I think that's why he did that. Yeah, and, he, and that's not the first. I mean, he's done that a few times. Like I, I these yes. specific examples, I don't remember, but I he's kind of I, he's clearly annoyed when like companies, which right or wrong, I don't think like the companies aren't really saying it's him. It's but the fans, I, not the company. Right, exactly. But I think he gets annoyed thinking that this company is like alluding to that yes. it being him. And it's not. It's the fans that just do that. But regardless, he he got out there right away and said, it's not me. You know, I'm going to do a Q&A and P.S. It's not me is essentially what this tweet said. So, yeah. So unless he is in on it and then just doing a swerve and it's all part of the plan, which would be great because it threw me off the scent. Uh, and I think that would be cool. Um, what are you left with? I mean, are they willing to pay for Brock Lesnar? who is a free and clear free agent. Uh, I, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess if it's a one-year deal, if you really think that that can you know, be that thing that takes you over the hump, and I don't disagree that it would be. I mean, Brock is a clear money mover. He is, he's done that many times for, for WWE, proven it. You look at the WWE Network, you can look at you know buys and, 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 and ticket sales and all that sort of stuff. He's a mover. You know, Ratings, he's a mover. So, I mean, yeah, if he's willing to play ball and, and, and you have the money that you can afford him, then yeah, I, I think he definitely is i mean he, he is a star of that magnitude and, and 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 he brings with him a lot of eyeballs as well so uh he's definitely one that that yeah i would if, if they announced him i would say all right that's cool that's good let's let's see what happens so um, they say it's a multi-year deal by the way I don't know oh that's right oh he did say that okay hmm well so i mean hey, if, if brock gave you his price and you can match the price then fucking go for it yeah i don't yeah whatever Let's get this out of the way. Do you think there's any universe where he can coax John Cena or The Rock into putting their names? Yeah, I really don't. I I, I don't. Um, but, I know... our, my, but look at it this way. My point here is look at the names we're bringing up. This is the level that they have to deliver. <laughs> right, now. right. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I don't think Christian is going to cut it. Yeah, so he no? he's actually my favorite to be the guy as Christian because it's been very interesting about the, the the Christian stuff and there's conflicting reports about his contract status. Uh, he hasn't really done anything since Royal Rumble. He'd be a perfect guy to say, hey, you know, go to. And he's done it before. He did it with Impact where he he'll play both sides and say, hey, look, here's what WWE's going to give me. What can you guys give me? And go for it, dude. You know, if you got yourself in good shape, they cleared you, quote unquote. You know, after <laughs> clearly not clearing you for for years. Uh, but then when, you know, times got tough, they said, ah, Christian, you're good to go, pal. You're good. All right. Your brain's fine now. <laughs> you know, Dana Bryan, Edge, Christian, your brains and necks are all fine. Mysteriously, randomly, all of a sudden now in this last year. Um, but, yeah, no, he he's probably my best pick. But I'm you're you're I'm with you in that he's he walks a very, very fine line of star enough. But also you probably have people laughing. At, oh, my God, that's not nearly enough. You know, that that's. There, your, your your hardcore fans would say, oh, that's cool because Christian's a good wrestler and we like him or whatever. But I think you would have casual fans that would kind of go, oh, Christian, is he really that? I mean, they, they've sold it as a big star. But like you said, they've sold it as John, the Doctor of Thuganomics. John Cena's walking out on, on, on AEW Revolution. Like, the, the, oh, Dwayne listen, The Rock the, Johnson. Like, you know. That's... If it's the Doctor of Thuganomics, John Cena, now we're, now we're cooking with Oh, gas. Max Caster licking his chops right there. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. Cuts off Max Caster uh, mid, 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 you know, maybe, maybe seen as the extra ladder guy, you know, Max Caster's cutting one of his promos, you know, yo, yo, yo. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, do, 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 do. here comes John Cena. Somehow he uses the WWE music. I don't know how he did that, but they can do that. Do the, do the thugonomics John Cena beat again. I'm not going to do, do it. No, I'm not going to do it. So. Oh, you're too shy now. I'm too shy now. Yeah. This is like when TLB nails a, an impression and I'm like, that was good. Do it again. But oh, you I can't, can't. Yeah. You can't, you can't make it happen. So. Can't replicate the magic, but you, that was. I want to hear that John Cena beat. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it at some point. Yeah, it's a... 
Um, that song rules, by the way. It? That song's awesome. The original one. Oh, yeah. Word life. Yeah, yeah, word life. Yeah, perfect for the character and everything. Did you hear Max Caster telling an eight-year-old he wants to see him in the streets? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I was crying with laughter. Because that's just that's perfect good heel stuff. You know what I mean? Challenge a fucking eight-year-old to a fight. You know I mean? It's awesome. I love it. See me in the streets to a third grader. <laughs> right. And I, right after the Lady Gaga dog walker line. <laughs> I know I didn't catch that I, one initially, and then I, I, I rewatched part of Dynamite. So I, I watched that part live, and, and people were like, oh, the Lady Gaga line. Ooh, that's a little much. And I was like, what? I didn't even remember that I heard it. I was like, Ooh. Oh, come on. No, I, I know. He's fine, people. No. He's all right. He's good. The dogs Oops. are back. The dogs are back. He's fine. Who cares if he's dead? It's still a good line. <laughs> get some heat. Yeah, get some heat. Yeah, come it's on. It's fucking wrestling. Yeah, people really want wrestling to not be professional liars coaxing you out of your money. But uh, there it is. So. Stop putting this shit on a pedestal. It's trash entertainment. <laughs> Jeez. Um, it's like barely a step above the Jerry Springer show, people. In in some cases, literally the Jerry Springer show. Because wasn't, uh, wasn't one of the Dundees was like the booker for <laughs> the Jerry Springer show, right? Yeah, yeah, PG-13. Yeah, he was on a bunch of the episodes, too, which is awesome. (laughs) I don't remember if it was Jamie Dundee or Wolfie D. Yeah, but one of the, like, legit, his his title was, like, you know, whatever, but essentially was a booker, right? Yeah, he was writing (laughs) storylines for the show. I love it so much. It's so great. Yeah. Like that was his territory, you know. The Jerry well, so what if uh, what if y'all were in a, uh, <laughs> in a monogamous yeah, exactly. relationship and <laughs> you, just sit there, you know, <laughs> you know? What I mean, it's so awesome. I love it. It's it's fucking wrestling. Like wrestling's trash as fuck. And then, yeah. and then y'all two fucked, <laughs> yeah, and right. you said that, and then say that you fucked him, but then say that you fucked his mom. Yeah, like that's the kind of shit that he, he was right. writing. And then the right when she says that, that's when you clock him. <laughs> you go. It's wrestling. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but wait till Steve gets there. You want to make sure that that Steve is in between you, because if Steve's not in between you, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with believability, you know? with you know, popping at the right time, hitting the right notes, you know, building the detention. Yeah, it's fucking, it's trash. It's. Garbage. And then we're gonna have ourselves a pull apart, you know. And he's like explaining to them what a pull apart is. Yeah, that's totally what was going down in that studio. After years, if after growing up in Memphis wrestling, <laughs> yeah, on top right, of that, right, right. with guys getting hit by cars and and everything else, so yeah, no doubt about it. That's Incredible. what wrestling is. Yeah, wrestling. Um, Jerry Springer show literally being booked. So that's yeah. I mean, people put wrestling on a pedestal and then they're disappointed when wrestling lets them down. You're doing that to yourself. You're doing that to yourself. Um, so who else can this guy be? I mean, who are even the other options? Yeah, here? Christian was was one. Uh, Kurt Angle obviously won. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of ruling out the John Cena. I mean, Brock, I guess, would be one. As you said, Punk. You know, maybe he's trying to take people off the scent. Um, I don't know. You're, everyone's kind of trying to do the math. I'm trying to think of who hasn't appeared someplace. I think Jeff Hardy maybe has a possibility of being a guy. I would hate that. That would suck. Maybe someone whose contract like just ran out mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. but but if i were wwe right i'd spoil it and i would put out a tweet that said we wish so and so the best in his future endeavors because i you know that's that's the kind yeah, of don't dirty let them business. don't let them sell one extra pay-per-view because of this announcement you know what i mean because they there there right. might be people that say ah fuck you know what 60 bucks I, whatever i want to see what this announcement is yeah if i'm WWE right now i say yeah we wish x the best in this future endeavor cesaro or, yeah or right 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 don't let them sell one extra pay-per-view if if you know if if you can handle or if, uh, the other way around does that help them sell the pay-per-views because then people are like 
oh shit, so and so's the guy. You know, so I guess. Kind of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if the surprise is what sells it or just seeing that person appear. On, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's got us talking about it, so hopefully they... <laughs> and again, you can only do so many of these, and, and you can't have it disappoint. Because if it's fucking Ethan Page, and they go, oh, Ethan Page is a Hall of Fame level talent, or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some, whatever, then, like, we're never going to believe... I mean, this is important to kind of keep establishing that when you make these I, I announcements. Think, it's got to land. I think Khan understands that as well. I, I think so, too. I, I, I think so, too. I saw someone that was like, oh, maybe it's Zelina Vega. Do <laughs> it's the math on the 90 Vega. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck would care? Like, who would care? No one would care. Yeah, I saw in some fact, AJ Lee. I'm like, dude, if it's AJ Lee, like, that's, then we, no one's going to give a shit what these guys ever have to say about any sort of surprise. Rich, if Zelina Vega walked out, I'm not positive I'd recognize her. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe after a while, because she'd have another name, whatever her name was elsewhere or whatever. And I get it after a while, but like. Rosita. If Rosita I, runs out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to immediately recognize Zelina Vega. Like, come on, reel it in. Like, people have this warped idea of what a star is. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know, but it, it's um, it's got me curious and it has me interested. Um, can they get away with it being – can I – all right, let me throw this scenario at you and we'll move on. Paul White pitched this, right? So maybe it's someone with a historical connection to Paul White. And Tony Khan then said it's a major, major star in professional wrestling. Could the surprise be Paul White announcing he's a wrestler? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Pe- you think people would shit on that? Or do you uh, think- yeah, I-, I think so. That would be kind of bait and switchy. Um, I don't. Yeah, I think so because I think a lot of people aren't really in, uh, like really, really, really looking forward to Big Show like being an in ring wrestler. And you've already kind of gotten that pop already. You know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would find it. I'd kind of find it pretty eye-rolly. And I, I would imagine most people probably would too. But I'm going to tell you what it's going to be. I got it. You got it, okay. I, it just came to me. It's going to be Paul White out there. And he's going to say, hit the music. And he's going to be, oh! He's going to walk down, you know. People are going to yeah. extend their hands to slap him. He's just going to walk right past him. Fuck you. you yeah. Like, that look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> that stupid, the, the tattoo, the, the fucking, uh, the, the, the scratch tattoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if Tony was smart, he would buy the rights to uh, run him with the devil. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If that, if that, dun, dun, I would pop through the roof. Dun, 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 and a Davy comes out. <laughs> Oh man, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. <laughs> it's not going to be Davy Richards, I don't think. So. Because nobody can live up to Davy Richards. I mean, I'd rather have Davy Richards than John Cena, if I'm being honest. With <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I have more interest in Davy Richards. The best part about this whole Davy Richards thing is that you've you've sold it so much that people that yeah. thought it was a joke and laughed about it are now like all in on Davy. Like when you make yeah. your, your dumb Davy Richards tweets. Like, yeah. we used to get people to be like, ugh, okay, he stinks. Or like, oh, who gives yeah. a shit? Now every person, and the same people that were like rolled their eyes before, are like, fuck yeah, yeah Davey Richards, let's go. Like, Absolutely. Like, yeah. we should book a WrestleMania weekend where our big surprise is Davey Richards. Because we would sell that fucking place out. Because uh-huh. you have put him, you've built him up so much at this point. Yeah. And people yeah, have well, turned no, the corner no. because you, you so bought into this gimmick that people have now turned the corner. And now Davey is like awesome. You know what I mean? Like, everybody thinks he's awesome now. Yeah. 
and cannot wait to see him. You know, there's people involved in wrestling that I know have worked with him that in the past have said that they hated working with him that are now yeah. like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Bring Davey. Rich. Like Dr. Keith, AEW is like, yeah. fuck yeah. Let's bring Dr. Like, he's, I know that he's dealt with Davey Richards in the past. I know not all of those situations because it's Davey Richards. I know not all those situations were positive. Yeah. Because it's Davey Richards. <laughs> like, but but today on Twitter, he's like, hell yeah. Yeah. He's like, fuck yeah. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> like, yeah. It's awesome. Because <laughs> you know? I feel like people, you know, they're, they're starting to come around, you know? You know, a close second to Davy Richards, okay, would be those lights going out, but it's actually Sabu this yeah, time. This time it's Sabu, yeah. I mean, I would, I would love that too. He has a Hall of Fame level, a Hall of Fame caliber uh, uh, wrestler. He just hasn't, you know, obviously he's not in the World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Fame, so. And he's been canceled so many times, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, yeah, who cares anymore? <laughs> Nobody cares about Sabu. And his awful Twitter feed or anything. It's People would try, but it's like, come on. No, you know, yeah, yeah, no. One he got canceled Except. in 1995. <laughs> like, we're, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he gets a pass. It does not matter. He's been there and back 77 times in between there. And so, yeah. 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 We all know he's a fucking idiot. It doesn't matter. So that that would be run a close second. Okay. And then maybe like The Rock. <laughs> and then but, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> right. Correct. Yeah. Davey Richards. <laughs> then Stabu, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> And then Dwayne Johnson, who Chris Jericho slightly mentioned on Dynamite. I don't know if you caught that. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I, that'd, be, that'd be good. That'd be a big, that'd be a big, uh, that'd be a big, big get if you can get Dwayne Johnson. So it would be. Oh, God. All right. We'll see. We'll find out. We'll talk about it on the uh, instant reaction. Patreon.com. Uh, such voices wrestling a ten dollar tier. All right. Let's. Uh, we got about a half hour here, so let's quickly hey, go Rich, through. You know, yeah. Go ahead. Hey, Rich. You know the ally cat has been hinting that she signed a contract recently. Oh, always like what? I, like a house or like an apartment or what? What kind of contract are we talking? Oh about no, here? like a wrestling. Oh, contract. okay. I thought she like signed a new no. lease on her apartment. Or she joined the new gym, from what I understand. So <laughs> she's she's locked into Planet Fitness for, yeah. for six months. She's with Xfinity for three years. She she got free voice with the uh, with the new contract. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, the four G package of Verizon. No, she she allegedly is is, is made up. Could it be the Ally Cat? You never know. Could you imagine Paul White? Here's the surprise here. They give her like a, a song cat voice, right? Or you know Tony's big on buying songs now. He buys like Cat Scratch Fever from Yeah. Tony oh Jones. yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty good. All right. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and the Ally Cat comes out <laughs> with the fucking <laughs> with the what do you call it? The tentacles. The uh, the whiskers. I believe is what they're whiskers called. Whiskers on the yeah. face, right? Tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> I believe they're called whiskers. Yeah. Yeah. What you're looking for? Well, I couldn't describe a ring post earlier. Now you're having trouble describing whiskers. So it's it's been a long day for sure. It's a later show than usual. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. <It's> a... <laughs> there's a good there's a good comment in the chat room. You can do the same thing, but people think it's Ally Cat, and it's actually Sable. You know, read America oh, comes yeah. out, so you get the you know the. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'd instantly think Ally Cat. <laughs> and then it's Rita Mara. So. Well, not Rita Mara, not Rita Lesnar or whatever. Yeah. And she could introduce Brock, right? Or it's just Rita Mara. Yeah, it's just fucking Sable. So. Well, I think it was uh, uh, Grand Akuma on Twitter who said they should do the old ECW gimmick, right? Where you, you, you first give the people a letdown, right? And then they boo the person. And then you give them the real surprise. Right, right, right. Right? So that's kind of like along those lines. Yeah, it's Ethan Page, but then Brock Lesnar comes out and fucking F5s and through a table or whatever. You're like, fuck yeah. You know, yeah. Right, right. Or it's Pat McAfee, 
mm-hmm. Hall of Fame level punter. That's true. And then and then you have the real guy come out after he cuts a promo. And then because listen, I am now convinced Pat McAfee is signed, sealed, and delivered. There's because a lot there's of smoke. Kid. There's too much smoke to that fire. And he's also reacting to things being said about him like a minute yes. after they're said about him, which, you know. He was talking about the Cody burial from the media. <laughs> like uh, three minutes after the Cody burial happened, yeah. On his radio show. It's all too convenient. And the Cody burial went too hard. It went a little too hard. Because Cody knows that it's assumed that he's not kayfabing on those things. So he knows he can slip things in that are kayfabe to get some hot, to get headlines. Mm-hmm. And a week earlier, Tony Khan had said publicly that he's friends with Pat McAfee and they he competed against him in the same division. And he goes way back. He thinks Pat McAfee does a tremendous job. He said all this on the observer show. Cause McAfee won rookie of the year. He put over McAfee, right? Now you got Cody burying McAfee a little too hard. Uh, in my opinion, and McAfee, like you're saying, reacting like literally a minute later. How would he be instantly? Ma- Look, I know he's checking Twitter during his show, and someone probably added him, and that's plausible. But to then immediately discuss it, to have it ready on- to go, and he's doing he's doing a pretty major. Ra- he's not doing like what we're doing here. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty major yeah. show. Like you don't drop everything to go react to a guy talking about you on a con- on a media call unless you've had some sort of conversation. You know what I mean? Like. He doesn't care that. I mean, I'm sure that'd be a thing that, like, they'd bring up and he'd write it down on a little note. And when they're done, you know, burying, you know, some fucking free agent move in the NFL or whatever. Or doing, I mean, that show is ridiculous. Like, I listen to it every so often. It's like, yeah. it's just br- the broiest thing you've ever fucking heard on that show. It's oh, too yeah. much for me. It's like, it's it's like too much, you, you walk into a frat house and everyone's just dipping and drinking and yeah. just talking about, like, broads and, and, and yeah. laughing. And it's, it's yeah, you, you feel like you just entered into, like, a, the, a giant inside joke and you have no idea what's going on. But yes. um, that's like he, that's like a thing that he'd write down in a little note and then get to you know after they come back from the break. Hey, uh, we're back here, and I heard uh, Cody Rhodes is, but it's like immediately drops in with oh Cody Rhodes. You know what I mean? It's too convenient. Well, I mean, a little too much. Look, look, Cody tells him he's like, look, I'm doing this media call. I'm going to bring either exactly right, right, right. Whether I get asked about it or not, I'm bringing. Like, it there's up. some communication between the two going on. There's no doubt I, about that. I, I look, I know nothing. I don't know it, but my gut is telling me that this is a done deal because if WWE wants nothing to do with him, why wouldn't you want to bring him in? I mean, it's a no brainer. The guy's incredibly, he's great. So, you know, good athlete personality enjoys wrestling, loves wrestling is good at it. Why not? Uh, (laughs) He, and, and more, and he's got an extremely popular radio show. Listen to two by millions, which is, is, is very advantageous for you if he's going to promote AEW on a daily basis on his radio show like he did for WWE. So it's a no-brainer. I think it's a done deal. I think that with the Miro spat, I think was a setup. He put over the Shaq match as soon as it happened. Um, He's leaning way too hard into this I'm retired thing. I think it's happening. And I think he could be part of whatever this is with the surprise. So he could be, if they're doing the, the Heyman deal, he could be the the letdown. He comes out as a heel, rips on the crowd, you know, and then the real guy comes out and beats him up. Right. I mean, I think it's perfect. So that's the speculation on uh, on that guy. As we said, AW Revolution, we will do the instant reaction immediately following the show, patreon.com 
slash Voices of Wrestling $10 tier. Uh, so we only have about a half an hour, so we're going to have to really condense this New Japan talk. Uh, but that's fine. I've really only watched kind of the big matches on these shows. We probably don't need to touch on every single match on every one of these shows. Uh, but I'm going to start out with the big news uh, coming uh, from uh, from New Japan before we actually talk about the matches. Uh, this was announced earlier in the week. Uh, New Japan chairman Naoki Sugabayashi says uh, to Tokyo Sports that he'll be unifying the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. And Kota Ibushi will now be known as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, so you had the World uh, in there. Uh, there's a little bit of interesting stuff here about whether the lineage carries on or not. There's one quote on this New Japan website that says, The IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships will be unified, and their lineages brought forward under the banner of the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And then in literally the next paragraph, it says, Kota Bushi will be recognized as the first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. So, I don't know what the hell's going on with this. I don't understand this at all. Joe, try to explain this to me, why the fuck we're doing this. Well, you hate this, right? I hate it. It's fucking terrible. Then the floor is yours, sir. I'd I, like just, to hear I, mean, I just don't get, like, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a fake title, it's a prop, it's whatever, but, like, why would you, this is this is the stuff that you do when you're zero one, one when you're Noah in 2014 and you're, your back's against the wall. This is the thing that you do when you're all Japan and you're struggling to kind of figure out what the hell your next step's going to be or try to get some some momentum going. When you're the leader, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you Why are you throwing away your history like this? Why are they splitting any sort of connection to their history? And this is a company that's embraced so, their history. Okay. okay, hold on. So your issue is throwing away the history more than throwing away the IC title. I don't give a shit about the IC title. Yeah, who cares? Okay, so it's the history. Yeah, I, I don't care. I, I don't care about the IC title. I care about the IWGP title. The IC no, title has IC no fucking title history. Has, yeah. Uh, see, I think it does. I think Nakamura and then obviously the Naito-Ibushi feud are the two things you would look at. But I agree. Tra- throwing out the history of that title isn't what's going to bother anyone. I understand where you're coming from throwing out the history of the IWGP title. It does bother me too. Um, Look, all Japan did this with the triple crown. They combined those titles, but I think the difference there is they took three titles that were kind of splintered anyway and made it something more important. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like we're, we're taking a title that is one of the most prestigious titles in wrestling and just deciding that, nah, no, we can't have that anymore. Why? Like, I don't understand why. Like, what do, are we do doing? You think with, okay, do you think with the benefit of time, you'll see this as more prestigious than the IWGP title? Uh, maybe, but I mean, it might take, you know, they, they had 30 years to build up the IWGP title, and they did, to the point where yeah. it was a really cool title for a lot of years. It, it, it looked cool. It had a cool sort of, a, uh, uh, you know, and, and yeah, the title, I don't care. The actual look of the title, I saw some people getting upset about that. I don't care. I never care about that. Yeah. Like it's good to have a good looking title, but I don't care. But I care about the actual lineage of the title. I care about the name of the title. I care about the names that that you can say that this person is the forty fifth, you know, IWGP yeah. champion. He has the same lineage that Anoki and and this guy and that guy. You know, what I mean? like that stuff's cool. I think that stuff's awesome, and and I always would embrace that in wrestling. I would never ever run away from that. The NWA, the fumes of the NWA, whatever is left of the NWA, is is re- result one hundred percent. Because of that fucking title that they carry around. You know what I mean? Yep. That's it. Yep. The whole 10 pounds of gold, sweet Charlotte, whatever. The NWA is built on that fucking... The NWA would have been gone 25 years ago, if not for that title. Yeah. It's all about that strap that you can say, hey, Buddy Rod... You know, th- this guy had a WF title. 
they, they do that with Buddy Rogers and they go back and they, they used to embrace that a little bit more. They obviously don't as much because they splintered it or whatever. But like, you know, with the NWA title, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and the, and like you always have that connection to it. Whereas if the NWA in, in let's say Billy Corgan buys the NWA and says, oh, we're going to have a new title and it has no lineage to whatsoever to the old NWA title. It's fucking meaningless. The NWA is meaningless at that time. It's the NWA yeah. heavyweight title. It doesn't matter. It has no – but the fact that they can say, hey, this 10 pounds of gold means that you're the best, and it mean, it's meant you're the best since 1960, you know, whatever. You know, that, that, that stuff is worth so much. And when you have that type of history, and, and it's all – it's mostly positive history too. That's the thing. You're saying like, yeah, the, the, the All, J- All Japan thing was a bunch of splintered titles. The, the, you know, the super, you know, the, 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 the J crown was like a bunch of splintered titles that they kind of all put together. And the, the goal eventually was to kind of break them up and move them away, you know, anyway. But still, the idea of the J crown was take these, you know, titles from all across the world and, and put them together and all that sort of stuff. But they weren't like prestige. I don't think that any of them was like super prestigious titles, especially at that point. But this is one of the charter titles in fucking wrestling i just i don't i don't understand why we have to do this i that's i'm just i'm lost as to you know why and yeah it could get to this point it could absolutely get to that point but i mean they just threw away 30 years of history in in one fell swoop so i don't know i guess in a few years it could be there but right now it's a fucking it's a i don't know it's a new title i don't love it um i don't hate it as much as you i don't love it i think that if they really wanted to just do away with having these two titles I mean, my preferred option would just be for Abushi to give up the IC and keep the IC around. I think the IC is useful and good. Um, my second option would have been. So for... here's the thing about the IC. Not to interrupt with you, I think it was good. They've somehow they've lost a plot on that title a long time ago. Yeah, but you could always get it right back. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I would hope so, but I don't know what the hell they've done with that title ever you since. You put it on the right person, and they have a good reign, and you headline with it. and you, I mean, you could always get that right. But I agree with you, but I think you could get that right back. That would have been my preferred option. My number two option would have just been to have Abushi just do a, just do a, have him do away with it. Say, well, I don't think there's much a need for this anymore because it's combined now, and the IWGP is obviously the most prestigious. Then you could put over the other title and just retire the other one. Combining them, I, again, because like you're saying, it, it it destroys all that history. It minimizes all of that history. Um, you know, and I don't know if the the three components of the Triple Crown had that kind of history behind them coming in. I, I just I don't think that they did. So I think the Triple Crown ended up being something far more prestigious than the sum of its parts. Whereas with this, maybe that'll be the case in 30 years or something. But it's a little weird and awkward now. I don't love it. I'm, I, you know, you seem more passionate about it than me, but I, I, I definitely do not love. The yeah, idea. I just, I, I, I love the history of wrestling, and I think it's a, such a great storytelling yeah. mechanism that you always can have. Is that this title is the same one that X held. And before every title match, you can show that video of all the people that have held the title, and people are saying, "Oh, they'll still do that. They can still do it." But it doesn't mean it's not the same title. Kotobushi is the first IW. I mean, it's not the same title, so you can show fucking Bob Sapp and Antonio Inoki and all that sort of shit. So, you know, it, it, it's it. I don't know. It just bothers me for a lot of reasons because I just don't know why. That, that's been my thing with New Japan for the last two years is I don't know why we're doing all this stuff. Here's a bottom line. Let me ask, let me pose you a question and a question to the listeners. Does the title that Kota Ibushi holds now feel more important than the two that he held before? To me, I can't say it does. Okay, phrase that, phrase that one again. Okay, 
So he has the IWGP World Heavyweight title now, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Does that feel more important to you than hold than than holding the two belts previously? Um, like significantly a bigger deal? No, than- not really, because I think the IWGP Heavyweight title, the the, the one with the you know the one getting morphed into it is is just as prestigious. So yeah, I I, I no, I don't, I really I don't I don't I really don't. Yeah, I don't either, and 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 that could be because we're in the moment. There might have been someone having this discussion in 1989 or whatever year it was the Triple Crown was put together. There might have been people complaining about that too in real time. I don't know. And then, you know, 30 years on, it's like, you know, you feel like the Triple Crown is more prestigious than the titles it replaced. Yeah, it's the whole thing is, and, and again, we got buried six feet deep by saying this whole unifying thing was stupid when they did it two years ago. Yeah. It was I stupid know. then. I didn't like it. And I always thought the best idea was that Naito wins both belts, and then the next day just goes, hey, I don't need this IC title anymore. I've, I've achieved Absolutely. it. I've gotten both yep. together. I'm the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. I've gotten to my final goal. I've, I've won them. Here you go. Have this title back. Do whatever you want with it. I have the crown that I really care about right now. That's it. Then no one else has done this. I'm the only person ever who will do it, but I don't want this other one anymore. Yeah, it's, it's too much of a burden. I can't do both. Whatever. You know, that's fine. That's okay. They've done that many times before. Ultimate Warrior didn't. You know, yeah. once he won the mm-hmm. WWF title, he said, "Okay, I see titles cool, but I don't need that anymore. I got this one, and that's fine. That's okay, because it was always going to be clunky. It was always going to be clunky for the guy. We always said if the 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 guy who loses, if you can't have your guy that's the double champion lose the IC title to some guy that's beneath him, and then keep it, it's it was just always going to be clunky and weird and annoying and strange. And it just the easiest way would have just been him getting rid of the title immediately, giving it to somebody else, and and you could still use the IC title. Like that's that's where I think people." When I say the IC title doesn't mean anything anymore and I don't really care, is I think that they have not utilized that title in any way that they should. For it made you feel that way. Is right. What that, that's what I'm saying. It's not. Don't yeah. get mad at me for saying the IC title doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter anymore. It's it's a complete non-factor in well, this company right now. Did, they had three other opportunities. They could have had Evil say that. They could have had Naito say that when he won it back, and they could have had Ibushi say that when he won it from Naito. They had three other opportunities after Naito beat Okada to have one of the champions say, you know what? I don't want this. Let Evil do it. He's a heel. It would have put more heat on him. Right. They could have had Evil give it up and say, I don't want this. I didn't want the Never Trios, and I don't want this. You know, and so there were other opportunities along the way to get the thing back into circulation if you wanted to tell the story of Naito being the the first guy to, to combine these things, which I think was a good enough story in a vacuum. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and don't get it twisted. Like I like I love the IC title when it was like headlining shows when Nakamura had it on and, and it was really doing stuff with it and had completely re, you know, reinvigorated that title. I mean, go back and listen to those shows. We loved it. We, we lauded them as, Oh my God, how awesome and how smart is new Japan by making this title as important as it is where it can headline a show. And now you can headline shows with the IWGP title. You can headline shows with the IC title. And then they got so fucking good at it that they were headline shows with the never title. And then they said, fuck it, let's do this U S title. And they made that work for a little bit too. And they had four titles they could main event shows with. And now, yeah. now, what do we have? You know, where are we at now? I know. <laughs> it's, it, they, they're not good right now, man. They, booking fucking stinks. I'm, I, this, this is just yet another example. I don't know, man. It's a new era. I tried to tell people it is a new era in a number of different ways. You know, so it's uh, just got to see where the rest of this goes. They're just they're getting their feet wet with the new era of this company and the new directions they're taking. 
making new stars, making new titles. Uh, there's a, just a different feel and it's not just COVID. There's a different feel in the company overall. It's just, everything is, it's new. Yeah. You know, it's, we talked about it at the top. I mean, these things do not last forever. And you know, that, that hot period for new Japan ended the day Naito won these double titles. And this hammers that home. Uh, some other announcements from uh, New Japan uh, that uh, May 15th, they're going to run in Yokohama Stadium. These are shows called Wrestle Grand Slam. Yokohama Stadium, May 15th, and May 29th in the Tokyo Dome. This will be the first non-Wrestle Kingdom January 4th, January 5th Tokyo Dome show uh, for New Japan since 2005. They did it in 2005 where, uh, uh, fittingly, as we're talking about the IWGP title being massacred, uh, IWGP heavyweight title three-way match, Brock Lesnar, Fujita, and Masahiro Chono was the last time they ran the Tokyo Dome, which I guess is a perfect representation of the year that we're in right now when New Japan has no idea what their identity is and is just grasping at straws. So here we go. That was really the dark era of the title, too, when it got splintered off and all of that. But they recovered from that and built the prestige back back up in the ensuing years but um also on that show i just wanted to note uh, black tiger versus tiger mask the famous uh the match between those two and also of yeah. course the the equally famous matt morgan yuji nagata tilt that <laughs> of course we all remember oh, we'll yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. um look i've been saying this consistently and i'll continue to say it when it comes to japanese wrestling in general I cannot get excited about these big buildings. Yeah, we gotta stop. Can we? Can we really? I know we're getting low I don't on time get here. About we gotta stop with this. We got. We have to stop declaring these being. Oh man, they're, Stardom's running Budokan and New Japan's oh, running cares? the Tokyo yeah. Dome, and yo, yeah. they're getting these things on a budget. They're fucking putting ten thousand people. They're getting five thousand people in these giant. Like, come on, 10, we got They wish. Yeah, they wish. Um, yeah, we got it. We gotta put these on equal. Just. It's okay to say, hey, that's cool to run in this building, but let's not I'll say, oh, what an accomplishment. They've ran Budokan Hall for the first time. Like, I don't even think it's necessarily all that cool. I cannot get excited about any of these big building shows. They're fake. They're fake big building shows. Right. WWE is running a giant stadium every single week, three times a week. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> right. it, it means nothing. I mean, I, I don't know why people are getting excited about these companies putting 3,000 fans into Budokan Hall with limited attendance. You can't. Because literally the building is not getting anything else. So like, yeah, sure, with, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> with, clap, with, with awful atmosphere clap crowds that no matter how people try to fool themselves, the atmosphere stink. It's, it's you know, it, look, I, I understand the mindset. Well, let's rent the biggest buildings possible so we could sell the most tickets possible. Right, because it's a percentage base. For people that don't know what Japan yeah. is doing, you can sell up to X amount of capacity or whatever. So. They yeah they they get the biggest building possible and they go okay we'll get X amount of people in here and that means five thousand six thousand whatever it might be which is smart I mean from the for the company it's smart that's fine but we don't have to throw roses at them of oh my god what an accomplishment they're running you yeah. know sumo yeah. hall eight straight days it's like who cares like that doesn't mean yeah anything. I mean yeah I mean you know it's like I, I can't find any enthusiasm to be excited about this 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 kind of announcement in normal times you'd be real excited holy shit. They're running a baseball stadium, and they're running the fucking Tokyo Dome. In a week, like week to week, <laughs> two weeks between each other. This is awesome. The shows are going to be loaded. They're going to have these hot crowds. I can't be excited about – how can I be excited about 7,000 people spread apart in the Tokyo Dome, politely clapping at the matches they're watching? I, I can't be excited about that. Um, it doesn't do anything for me. The baseball stadium, okay, we saw Jingu that had a kind of a unique atmosphere. All right, that's fine. 
But again, I can't be super excited about this. Yeah, Jingle was cool because it was kind of like the emergence from the the the, the sterile COVID arenas or whatever. But that was yeah. cool in the one sense because it was like, all right, cool. Here's a but. No, I'm not going to be excited about a fucking Tokyo Dome show in mid-May with 5,000 It's people. not a real Tokyo Dome no, show. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's you know, and I, I'm not trying to be a buzzkill or anything like that, but... Um, Brad Armstrong. Yeah. No, that, that Noah atmosphere wasn't great. I mean, no. it, looked like, it looked like a big-time setup, but the fans aren't allowed to react, you know? Um Stardom didn't earn running Budokan. They ran it because it's on the cheap. Right, right. Could- like I, I and and I know people were excited about it. I don't want to shit on everybody, but being like, "Wow, this is just like Dream Slam." And it's like, get out of oh, here! Dream- they were selling fifty fucking thousand tickets to Dream Slam. They had an eight-hour show oh, yeah. that everybody was fucking crying and bowing before them when it was over because it was so great. And they made like eight million dollars on tickets and merchandise. Like, fucking reel it in. Like, come on. Like, this is a Dream is- Slam. Like, and the, th- the thing is, there's no pressure on any of these companies to sell tickets because all you have to do is get in these buildings, sell 3,000 tickets, and it's a win. Yeah, you sell 3,000, you sell 4,000, you sell 5,000, it's whatever. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, there's no pressure. You know, it doesn't mean anything. There's no success and there's no failure. It's, it's, it, you cannot analyze any of this shit. You know, it's just um, – and, and again, I understand why they're doing it because it's, it's better to sell 3,000 tickets from New Japan's perspective – in Budokan with a weak main event than to run, uh, you know, a building that normally holds 3000 than to sell 1800. I get it. I understand. Right. It's more advantageous to run this than the Sendai sun plaza or whatever. It's, it's, it's probably the, you know, it's not that much more money to run Budokan, but you can sell 4,000 more tickets. So why not? You know, so why wouldn't they run Tokyo dome in may and sell, try to sell 10,000 tickets? Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. I understand, but it doesn't mean I have to be excited. Right. About it. I'm, I'm not going to say, it. Oh my God, they're back in the Tokyo dome. What a success. Like it's, it means nothing. It's yeah. almost, it's almost sad. Yes. It almost, it's more sad to me because it's like, it just reminds me what we're being denied of. You know, I, I, I cannot be excited about it. I've been consistent with this train of thought. New Japan is in a volume business now. This is why they're running a show in six hours from now. This is why they're running three Corkins in a row right after the anniversary right. show. Of why I can't keep they- up when we when we t- when we talk about the New Japan shows later, which might have to be an overrun. We'll we'll talk we'll see how that goes because we're about ten minutes in there. But uh, yeah, it's they why I'm I can't keep up. I just cannot fucking keep up with this company. They're anymore. not concerned with selling the maximum amount of tickets. They're just concerned with running as many shows as possible yeah. and selling as many tickets as possible. It's a volume business. They don't care that they're only selling 500 tickets to these Cork and Hall shows that start at 5 o'clock in the afternoon because they're going to run four in a row and sell 2,000 tickets by the end of the week, which is the same as what they would have sold by running the one show in normal time. It's a volume business right now. And that's why I can't analyze attendance, care about attendance, look at attendance. Um, and, and I've tried to stay away from – we haven't talked attendance since COVID started on this show because I just – the topic – to me isn't interesting because you can't glean anything off of it. There's people going, oh, so they this show drew 3,000 fans. That's pretty good. Well, how do you know what it is? <laughs> right. You don't know what it, it – like you, you can only compare it against other COVID shit and, and whether there's a state of emergency, whether people think it's worth risking their health to see the main event, whether – how many tickets were on sale. It's, it's too much. It's a waste of time. And I'm not impressed by running these big buildings. I actually find it a little depressing. 
that they're running all these big buildings and then not able to put anybody in them. And fans have to sit there and do their little golf claps. And you have no idea whether anything is over or not. Yeah, there was a, so what, there was a building that they ran recently. New Japan ran it. And I, it took me like halfway through the show until I was like, oh, fuck, they're running like... It must have been. It was probably Budokan. It was probably Budokan for this 49th anniversary show where I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're in fucking Budokan Hall. Like this is like a, a a sacred place of wrestling. And it took me like three fourths of the show to realize, oh yeah, that's in Budokan because you can't tell because it's just this abyss of darkness. You know what I mean? And crowds going, and oh, they're they're clapping a little bit harder for this guy. It's just I. Hate well, there it. was this period where I think there was this period where I think all of us were like, they're clapping harder for this. <laughs> right, match. this clap is more enthusiastic. And I think. Just about all of us have thrown in the towel on that shit. There, you can't judge any of these clap react. You don't know anything. You don't Molten know hot what's clap important. crowd. Yes. <laughs> Can we please stop with that? And and to be fair, most people have. I mean, yeah, no one's yeah, really yeah. been attempting to do that anymore. But I get it. We all wanted hope. Like, oh, maybe you know. At, at some point, I think we've all slowly thrown in the towel on trying to analyze clap crowds and what's over or not. We don't know. Rich, I remember people reading on Twitter, people saying how hot. The crowd was for Muto winning the title. <laughs> How I, hot the clap crowd was. Yeah, no, and then I watched it, and I was expecting to see people on their feet and just, you know, outside of gasping for the finish because it was a surprise, no one reacted to that at all. No. They panned the crowd, and people looked bored. Half of them weren't even clapping. I have no idea whether those people were excited or not because they're all terrified to open their mouths. So I've heard, I've had it with these clap crowds. I've had it with these fake shows in these big buildings. It does nothing for me. I want to be excited about this stuff. I can't be. Man, we really shit on that, didn't we? We really did. Yeah, it's just it's it's been building up for a long time. Yeah, it's it's you and I just we're kind of grumpy assholes, but it's still it's just like I don't know. It, it's it's so. It's, it doesn't the, help. That Japan isn't really lighting my world. On no, fire. no, it definitely doesn't help. And I think it's also like seeing people. And I don't mean to be an asshole, but like seeing people like really get excited about these uh, show announcements, like I don't mean to do that, but it's just kind of like I don't know. They're not really like they're not real shows. No, not yeah. Real- so actually, it was Castle yeah. Attack. I could not believe that ca- like Osaka Joe Hall, which is a really cool arena, and it was just like yeah. it, it may as well have been an empty fucking studio. You, you know, it, it no difference. And I love that arena. I love Osaka Joe Hall shows, and it was just like who cares? You know, whatever. Yeah. All right. Know. So you want to uh, you want to push uh, the uh, New Japan reviews to the overrun? We've got the um, – let me take a look at this. We've got yeah, we the, got Castle Tech 1, Castle Tech 2, 49th anniversary show, uh, and the NXT moving to Tuesday news. So we, we won't go like an hour because I got to get up pretty soon here. But uh, uh, Now we can, we can um, run through the, the key matches from the New Japan shows. I'm not even sure you saw all of it. I did not see all the matches, so I can, I can only react to kind of the top stuff because they're running too many goddamn shows and I can't keep up, so – yeah, okay, I think we should do that because we are uh, up against it here. Yeah, we have five minutes to cover three shows and another news story. So, yeah, we will do – so $10 subscribers. We screwed this up last time, but we got it this time. $10 subscribers, you're good. If you're listening live right now, you're good. We're going to just – Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a – We're going to pause for a few seconds, go right to the overrun. Uh, if you're listening on the free show, this is where we end. This is where we depart. We say goodbye. But – uh for the lower price of what five dollars, right? Five bucks. Is that all they're charging for this thing? Five dollars, unbelievable. Five dollars uh, on the five dollar tier. Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling. You will hear uh, the overrun, our review of the New Japan shows, uh, brief discussion about the NXT moving to Tuesdays, and uh, and yeah. So uh, if you're a free listener, that is it for you. Goodbye. Enjoy. Pay the five dollars. Hear the rest. Uh, but the ten dollars subscribers that are listening live, 
Stay with us, and we'll go to the overrun. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast.